855-453. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line here on the, the live Saturday edition of, or excuse me, it's Sunday. <laughs> well, that's it. I need a vacation. Yeah. <laughs> Too long. Working it's, seven days a week. It's finally happened. I need a vacation. It's the live <laughs> Sunday edition of Free Talk Live. Uh, it's Mark with you. And Derek. And Stephanie. And um, this is the, what, day 33 of the e, Ian Freeman incarceration count-up for those uh, that are keeping track. Our normal first seat host Monday through Saturday, Ian Freeman, uh, got himself thrown in the pokey for standing in front of a police car that he felt was taking a woman to jail unjustly. Slowed him down all of 45 seconds, as a matter of fact. But um, we have we have uh, Derek in the studio because, Derek, apparently there's been some uh, run-in with the, the Keen cops, and you were right in the middle of it. So I wanted to kind of get your story and what happened. I mean, one of our co-hosts here has had something happen to him, so it's important to talk about it. Well, thank you for asking. Yeah, uh, it's still unclear what the government thinks happened, but I can tell you what I saw happening. And so... I was having a dance party that I uh, am a part of hosting every Friday night in Central Square after 10. And uh, we were just having a good time dancing, uh, playing music, uh, not too loud, but enough to fill the gazebo. And um, some a local gang showed up. And <laughs> Which gang is this? This this gang would be the Keene Police Department. Okay. They and, were wearing all blue. Yep, they were yeah. all looking the same and wearing the gang colors. And so they showed up and... Uh, they were saying, you know, you got to turn your stuff off. Who's wasn't the stuff unplugged when they said you had to turn your stuff off? Yeah, everything was already unplugged and all everything was off. So I was like, what exactly needs to be turned off at this point? Like, what <laughs> what do you want from us? The music is off. There are no lights. Now, and I'm going to give get to the hard questions here in a minute, um, and you know, certainly do a little my fair share of grilling on this. But I would like to say I was there, right. and. Um, I was, you know, I, I stood for the few few minutes that I was there. I stood probably thirty or forty feet from the uh, gazebo, thirty feet probably more accurate, and that music wasn't loud at all. Right, and we didn't even finish one song. It was yeah. the first song. So if there was a noise complaint, which is what they claim, they responded faster than the fire department will get to your house. Right. I mean, they really got there. I mean, and the average response for any police is, what, eight minutes? So <laughs> that, That's I mean, an was, ambulance response time. That's pretty good. Right? Yeah. I would say so it's they, even longer. They were prepared and circling around. I mean, they didn't have their lights on when they arrived. They just parked right in a regular spot, no lights. I don't think they got a um, noise complaint. But, you know, who knows? They may have got some kind of complaint of about a gathering. But as far as noise goes, they... You know, they would have they didn't get you didn't get through one song. I'd also like to point out that there's this giant klaxon in the middle of town that goes off several times a night whenever the exactly. fire department takes off. I mean, What's this music, klaxon? it's not a klaxon. Is, this thing goes wow. like it, pleasant. it's it's nothing like pleasant. <laughs> if I lived downtown, I would go there with some, uh, you know, some dikes and cut that uh, little light, those little wires off. It certainly By dikes. I mean, diagonal cutters. Uh, <laughs> it certainly wouldn't attract anyone to come dance in a gazebo. You know, <laughs> it was a swell time and t- until they showed up, and so they they were saying, "Whose equipment is this?" and and no one really claimed it. I assume thinking that they were about to confiscate it and, right. and mm-hmm. give a fine or something, because they said that we needed a permit to use the outlets that are in the gazebo. That was their main claim: was that we were acting. Uh, illegally by not having a permit when we had uh, electronics plugged into their gazebo outlets which so is they they had proof that the electronics were plugged into the gazebo 
Uh, no, they did not have okay. proof of this uh, because when they showed up, they were all unplugged. And it, I mean, that just is ridiculous seeing as how Nick looked at. Uh, up and one of the locals here, Nick, looked it up and couldn't find an ordinance. He was asking, yes. "What is the ordinance?" No, no that cop says? has uh, preferred an ordinance that says that you need to uh, pay to be, um, you know, in pay to use the electricity in this gazebo. People use this park and this electrical outlet to do, you know, to surf Charge the internet, cell phones, whatever, all kinds of things. Um, yeah, well, why would they have the outlets there if they weren't allowed to be used? That makes no sense. The light in the gazebo is on twenty four hours a day. The lights in the gaze- by twenty four hours a day, I mean during the day. Right. <laughs> the the, uh, the streetlights are on in the park, which is fine. I mean, you expect parks to have streetlights. Um, the uh, the sprinklers go when it's raining in this park. I mean, so, you know, energy may not be their highest and, and biggest concern. Noise doesn't seem to be with that stinking klaxon that goes off all times of day and night. I, I swear I would I would do something criminal to that klaxon if I lived downtown. <laughs> well, it, we, wouldn't we all like to do that? But uh, so I think that their arguments just fall apart on face. Uh, is there are outlets in other parts of the town that people are able to use, certainly without a permit. And uh, there, are, Nick brought up another point saying how since there wasn't an ordinance saying we needed permission to use the city property, there are also trash cans that people use without permits and <laughs> that they're expected to be used. They're there so that the public can use them. So uh, if they there's were saying a, there's a water fountain on the common too, right? And I remember the reason that Ian's in jail right now is because, as you said, Mark, he stood in front of a police car when someone was being arrested unjustly, he thought. But I think the original complaint that day that brought the cops to Central Square was that somebody was filling up a water bottle in the public water fountain and that they didn't like that for some reason. And so they have Absurd. all these public utilities, but nobody can use them, or they can't use them if they don't you like you. You may only or? consume the water from the water fountain directly from the water, but you may not put it in another <laughs> container. Containers are not allowed. Well, I mean, who... What kind of a person calls the cops because somebody's filling up a water bottle? Like, ooh, that's I, pretty... I, I, I couldn't I say. Just, I don't understand. And it's really sad that we have this, like, snitch society... Where people call the cops so easily and don't try to even attempt to solve the problems by talking to the people that are involved directly. Yeah, you know? let's talk it out, please. I mean, so it's interesting what C- Central Square seems to be about. There's people hanging out at this uh, now. Central Square has become this mecca to hang out at for young people, right. and a lot of the businesses around Central Square don't like it. They want Central Square to be an, an attractive park that you can look at, and they right. don't want people to be don't come in there. It. Just just stare at it, and and only if <laughs> only come if you're old. You may come if you're old or you have a baby, and it's a cute baby, and you're a couple uh, that's male and female, right? Like you know, they they, they want a picturesque oh, puppies. Puppies are okay. Uh, they want but I want a dance party. Are, all right, right? You know, well, I can I can kind of see. You know, like, well, dance parties, are those appropriate things in that particular area? I I get it. But at the same time, before anybody passes judgment, I wish they would listen to me when I say I was there and the music wasn't loud at all. I mean, by dance party, if you would, you know, you turned up a little radio and played some music and it wasn't loud at all. Right. So uh, they were asking whose property it was that um, played the music. And since no one really claimed it at first, they were saying that um, one of the gentlemen who was arrested earlier that day had claimed it. And so they were going to take it for him. Right. And I was like, why are you trusting him? I, this so, is my so, property. So, some guy who's uh, <laughs> who apparently is some kind of criminal. I mean, they arrested him. Right. I mean, I don't know that they're, they're proposing these a criminal, not I. Um, he just makes some claim and they 
that's that's that, what they call police work now. Right. That's their investigation. Some eighteen-year-old young man who, who was drunk. Who was, right. Who what? I don't know. Uh, you I know, heard was, that he was very inebriated in a questionable state of uh, um, of uh, you know mental uh, prowess, and uh, happens to claim that this is stuff is his. Right. right? And so this officer, this gentleman, uh, was so. Um, he believed so strongly that it was the other person's property that he um, grabbed it from my hands and we were in a mini tug of war for about five seconds before he threw me to the ground and got on my body, just pushing me down onto the ground. I got scrapes from it. I, I can show everyone. And uh, it's radio, right? Well, oh, <laughs> well, there's a cam, right? right. Cam. Oh, yeah. Live.com. That's true. If if you're lucky enough to see the cam, then I, I can just show you some of the scrapes I got. Maybe they'll show up, but. That was absurd to me that I, there was violence used against me for someone who wanted to steal my property. That he just said, "I am taking this," and I said, "No, you're not." Oh, and you know, you're just it. some stranger tra- saying that you're going to take my property. How would how would you tell your kids to respond to that? I'm really kind of interested in this. If um, you know, the, a police officer just decides something's been. Uh, that, that something needs to be taken, I, you know. Well, I this mean, has happened many times to people here in New Hampshire. Police officers have taken their property without their permission, and in some cases, refused to even issue a receipt. And it takes months to get it back, and you have to jump through all kinds of hoops. Yep. And I'm and, sure this happens around uh, the United States. As no one fact, else I'm doing the work right now impunity. to try to get this amp back. So. Oh well, thank you, <laughs> wow. thank you for doing that. Free Talk Live eight five five four five zero free. The Ruger LC9, compact, powerful, and perfect for personal protection. The LC9 is only slightly larger than the popular Ruger LCP, features a checkered grip frame to provide a secure and comfortable grip, and includes a finger grip extension floor plate. The LC9 also has a dovetailed high-visibility three-dot sight system, blued alloy steel barrel, manual safety, and loaded chamber indicator. The LC9, another innovative American-made product from Ruger. Learn more about the Ruger LC9 at ruger.com LC9. Free Talk Live, 855-450 free. That's the Sickle Toll Free call in line, 855-450-3733. It's Mark with you. And Derek. And Stephanie. How can I follow that up? <laughs> I want to go second instead of third. <laughs> <laughs> free Talk Live is an interactive program. You can give us a call at 855-450-3733 if you've got any questions for Derek. Um, but uh, Derek's going to be with us here for a little while. You can call in and talk about whatever you'd like. It's an interactive uh, radio program. We have an interactive website for that radio program it's called freetalklive.com go there link to stories and blog posts and whatever interests you people will vote up your submissions vote them down you can vote up theirs or vote them down as you wish it is freetalklive.com so derek uh we were talking about your is it an arrest you're running my kidnapping (laughs) okay yeah that's how i saw it i mean i don't think like an arrest would be if I was stealing from someone and then a police officer, a peace officer or whatever you want to call them, a public servant came and uh, provided some justice. But well, what because really happened? The word arrest really means stop, doesn't it? Like if you well, arrest, yeah. it's like arrested development, right? Like it's something that's stopped. 
So that's a good point. Yeah. What were they really stopping you from doing, dancing well, or? The, so they were stopping me from living free um, because I mean the title of the dance party is like live free or dance, and so that's that's what we were doing. And um, so to pick up where I left off, he threw me to the ground. Slapped some handcuffs on me. Uh, Unfortunately, earlier that day, I had fallen off my bike. So I had some cuts on my wrist as it was. And he was less than gentle when um, putting the handcuffs on. There's video you can check out online at uh, Tally's website. Right. Yeah. And Um, Jason Tally is the Friday night co-host of Free Talk Live. Right. And and he also uh, helped out with um, the Free Speech Friday thing that happens over in Central Square, uh, part of part of uh, why live free or dance even happens so yes you can see the video uh, where he tugs at my arms and he's saying let go of the bag and it's right on video i'm not holding the bag but he's he's ripping my arm behind my back anyway um so walks me over to the police car it says get in the car and i say i don't want to get in the car he said get in the car and i say i feel like i'm being kidnapped i don't want to get in this car and so I stand there and he says, well, then I'm going to mace you. And he does. And so I'm here. I am standing next not, to a police not car. I'm going to mace you if you don't get in the car. Just I'm going to mace you. How long from the time that he said, I, um, I'm going to mace you to uh, to you got you got based? I would say it was between one and five seconds. Okay. So it was, it was pretty wow. quick. Um, so I was standing there handcuffed with my hands behind my back and next to the um, back seat. With the car door open, he could have easily just lifted up my legs and just plopped me in if he demanded that I must be in this vehicle. But instead, he chose to mace me. And even after the mace, I was remaining standing and because I did not want to come in. I'll, I'll walk home after being maced. I would much rather. But no, uh, he then just pushed my shoulder in because I couldn't see anything. And I'm in intense pain. My whole head's on fire at this point. So. Yeah. So, I mean, were you resisting um, prior to him uh, macing you? I'm just kind of kind of curious because if he if he was able to physically push you into the car after you had been maced, could he have physically pushed you into the car before you had been maced? Is kind of I guess what my question yes, is. Yes, he did not attempt to push me into the car uh, before. Because I've seen this happen. Macing. I've seen cops put people into cars. This has to be something a relatively common thing. If someone doesn't wish to go in, I mean, if if for instance somebody was uh, uh, you know going limp. Do, right. Are the I mean, should the cops mace that person? Should that should cops tase that person because they're not do, the person is it's not doing what they're saying? It's never happened before, and a lot of people have gone limp. Yeah, yeah. right. And Derek, I'm wondering, did you get charged with resisting arrest? I did. Yes, oh. that, that was part of my charge. Um, and I I don't know why. I mean, I mean, he was the only part that was resisting was, of course, me saying that I didn't want to get into his vehicle. I felt like I was being kidnapped. And the other part of resisting was that I was holding on to my property. Uh, well, he was trying to pry my property from my hands and steal it from me. Um, and he said, let go. And no, I, I wouldn't do that. That's mine. You can't have it. And so I, that may be resisting arrest because then he had to slap some cuffs on me. So I, I don't know. Well, um, for one thing, I think there's a, there's a few interesting parts to this case. He was attempting to take the equipment, um, the, the audio, the uh, recording, not recording equipment, but this, uh, the music playing equipment. If he was taking it, 
there should be a charge for playing music. You know, no, the noise violation should be there. The using electricity of the, the 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 town's electricity. There should be some charge that surrounds that in order to be able to justify the taking of the equipment. You know, they can't just take equipment, right? Yeah, that would be my understanding as well. It seemed completely unrelated, especially because the equipment was all off. And if the officer, if the people who came, the gang members came didn't know whose property it was, they at least knew that it didn't belong to any of them. So I don't think they were in the right to take it. Right. And so if they don't give a charge um, of, well, uh, you know, playing music or using this electricity, then they're taking the, uh, the, 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 the equipment sort of against the law. I can't just come up and take equipment from people. They have to use their arrest powers, their charging powers, in order to make what they're doing legal. Right. And so, so we're confused about the original, like the real root reason of the arrest to begin with, right? Mm-hmm. And there were th- there were two other people arrested that night too, right? There were three people arrested. Um, the, oh, right. three people, it, including you or besides you? In uh, four people, including okay. me. So okay. there was one of the younger people whose equipment they said it was. Yeah. And he was the first to be arrested. And then it was Do me. Do we know what his charges? Uh, no, I did not know. Well, what that his was what I wanted was. to they know. What are away. what are all the charges for everyone who got arrested that night? Okay, for everyone who got arrested, I I can only speak for three of us. There was um, me who had um, obstructing government administration and resisting arrest. And two others who had the same charges. So wow. I, so there's really no, there's nothing. Right. It's like so <laughs> if you obstructed government administration, then one would want to know what that administration of was the government of. was, and yeah. that would have to be an arrest. And what was the arrest of if they haven't made the arrest? I mean, do you understand how there's no, there's no uh, yeah. sort of seminal charge? There's here. no foundation. Right. Yeah. They just made it up as they went along, and they were telling me different charges as I was in the police car and everything. I was like, what is my, what is my crime? First, I wasn't read my rights. I would you know they never they don't have to read your rights unless they're questioning you okay well they were asking my name and i said i don't think i have to give you my name Mm -hmm. um, because i haven't done anything and i haven't committed any crimes so i I would like to just plead the fifth for that and i also asked to see a lawyer i was denied that right and i was so yes um the the charges or what would I don't know. I, I was just trying to expose the holes in their case because, you know, what was the original right, thing? If, if you're well, obstructing they, government administration, it seems like there needs we need to know what yeah. that government administration is. The, what I think they're trying to say it is, is that they were um, that the music was being played, which they didn't hear because it wasn't coming. But you know, if there right, are no charges involving the music, then it's it's a major hole in their their whole case, yes. their whole right. argument. They yeah. just said I was hindering at first. They just what is trying hindering? To keep, trying to keep a hold of uh, your item that they were trying to take without a charge, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, that yeah. Uh, what we call taking an item without um, sort of legal recourse, we call that stealing, right? And that's what they were doing. Yeah, well, I felt like they were stealing, and then they were kidnapping me for it. Yeah. Any thoughts? Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. Free talk live. As a smoker, you know traditional cigarettes are unhealthy, and the taxes feed the very beast stealing your freedom to smoke. That's why the Vapor Station offers an assortment of electronic cigarette kits. Each rechargeable, refillable kit is an effective, affordable alternative to smoking. No combustion, no tar, no foul, lingering odors, and no smoke, secondhand or otherwise. Just inhale pure enjoyment and exhale vapor. Take a puff just about anywhere without getting hassled. 
Get your e-cigarette kit now at VaporStation.com. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line here on the live Sunday edition of Free Talk Live. Are you looking for camping, hunting, or shooting gear? ManVentureOutpost.com carries knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, tactical flashlights, fish finders, and boating equipment. ManVentureOutpost.com, they're family-owned and members in good standing of the Better Business Bureau. Some prices are so low they can't even be mentioned on the air. You can get an additional 5% off with any of your purchases with coupon code FTL. Get it quick. Get it from ManVentureOutpost.com. So we have been talking to Derek about his uh, ignominious arrest and uh, pepper f- pepper sp- spraying in the face. And uh, was that uncomfortable, Derek? Uh, I can't even describe how painful that was. It really felt like my head was in a fire pit. Like my from shoulders up just felt like there was a constant flame right under my entire like face and Jeez. head. Wow. So they spray in the face. They take you off to the uh, um, the the jail, uh, right. put you in, and um, what you know what what happened once you're at the jail? Uh, well, so they first took me to the Keene Police Department, asked me if I was going to answer any questions. I of course said no. I felt like it was a wrongful arrest, and I don't need to provide any information because I haven't committed a crime. They so asked that, you if you're going to answer any questions, right? Had they read you your Miranda rights? No, 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 no. They had, they never read me my rights, and I. Knew they were lying to me a bunch of times because, well, I'll get to that later. So they brought me over to the jail. I'm still blind at this point, you know, so I'm like, I don't know if I've just been kidnapped and brought to a dungeon for all, you know, for all I know, they're just anything, leading sure. me around, you know. So a dungeon would probably be better. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, fun. It's, it's a fine jail. <laughs> right. So uh, they, they did bring me to uh, the Cheshire County Jail. Um, I was brought to a, a cell uh, by a couple of men they asked me if you know a couple of questions are you think you're going to hurt yourself you're going to hurt us no so they brought me in um and left me well the, they did a strip right so they have to like search you and and take off your clothes and everything they told me to take off my shirt and uh take off my belt and then they said take off your shoes and i was like i you know i hurt my hands earlier i really can't do that um would you guys take off my shoes for me? It's good and, stuff. Yeah, they. I actually got them to take off my shoes. They were, they were <laughs> like, you, you can't do it yourself. I was like, these are Cole Haunts. I'm, I'm not going to get blood on these. Is that the kind of shoes you're referring to? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <I> that's. The, <laughs> I so, love it. So I was able to get them to do that, which they had the expression. It was so demoralizing for them. You know, I'm sitting down here all elegant. Was, <laughs> yes, you thank are you. an thank elegant you. man. Well, yeah. well, thank you. I felt like I was getting a pedicure. So <laughs> these these guys, um, they did not have a good time with that. They thought I was being a little like uh, rude to them. But oh, you, you know, were being rude to them. I yeah. see how that works. Well, they constantly reminded me that they're here to help me, right? That they, they oh, we're the we're not the guys who arrested you. We're we're here to take care of you. You know, we're going to help you out with the processing and everything. We're going to get you out of here. No, um, they <laughs> they just wanted to collect information from me and tell me lies. So they eventually brought me into the cell, which had a concrete bed and was very cold, uh, still air, um, had a, just a dinky water fountain. Um, and a toilet, right? So that's that's where I stayed just until I saw another friend of mine come in 
um, they, they told me that they were going to leave me there and, until I processed, and they weren't going to give me a blanket, uh, food, or anything. Um, they weren't going to turn off the lights. They, they were basically saying they were going to torture me until I processed with them. And processing. So they told you, you that, they, that they, they threatened essentially torture, not giving you any food or uh, blankets and that kind of thing and, until you processed. For four right. days, right? Because this was, well, right. five but, days because this was Friday night until Wednesday, right, was when you would... Well, they, they said it would be Monday at the soonest, but, you know, there's no guarantee. They said that there would be Judge Burke, uh, one of the local judges here, would would come down to the jail. But who knows what his schedule's like. So I could have been there a while. And, of course, my family doesn't know where I am. My friends have some idea, but they can't contact me because I'm a John Doe to these people at this point. So, yeah, they're threatening torture uh, in, unless I go along with what they want me to do, which is like fingerprinting and giving names and social. Yeah, and I don't see print. how you can avoid that, frankly. Right. So I, I caved and it really sucked because I didn't want to. I wanted to call their bluff. I At what be, point did you do that? It caved, uh, as you call it. I don't know. The, well, caved. well, I wanted to show them that they hadn't won. Um and because, you know, I'm a little hard headed. And when I got you in there, that and sound saw, to you, yeah? <laughs> well, once I saw one of my friends coming in as another John Doe, I, I said, oh, great, I have company. And I started dancing uh, because they had disrupted my dance party. I didn't even get my first song in. So I've still got the music in my head. And I said, I'm just going to dance until I can't take it anymore. I finally decided to stop at 420 for the significant reason that you know i was taking a break so what is this about three hours of dancing in the holding cell well i was arrested around 10 30 i got into the um the uh, cheshire county jail probably around 11 11 30 so yeah i would say uh over you know four hours over four hours so, so a, lot of, a lot of a lot of holding cell dancing there yeah yeah well and i didn't have shoes on either so my my feet are just all blisters oh, <laughs> but um it, it was you know with a big smile on my face they clearly had a hard time looking at me they would not they re- just would refuse to face my cell whereas they were looking at the others no problem mm-hmm. and they just could not look at me uh, smiling and dancing in my cell because it's just unfathomable to them so i have a question derek what i want it? i want to know you're you're gay right i am gay <laughs> so gay yes that's awesome <laughs> So I want to know if you think that there was any motivation behind either the spraying or the the shoe incident or anything like that. Because, you know, it's kind of no secret that a lot of cops can have this machismo attitude, which often involves a lot of homophobia. Right. right. And there are a lot more violent crimes, especially by uh, police and, you know, former mil- and current military and stuff. And they're not known to be friendly to gay or transgendered or LGBT folks, right? Well, this is true, but they, so yeah, their their actions were out of the ordinary for yeah. the macing and and a lot of the the strip search stuff. I don't particularly know what's ordinary from experience, but well, it's it in felt- New Hampshire. A lot of people have been arrested, as we said before, and really, I don't, I can't think of anyone else who's been maced, especially. When there was really no, it, it was really clear that they were just doing it because they didn't like you or they wanted to punish you, you know? Well, yeah, it was it was a punishment for sure. That He could yeah. have easily lifted me and, and that would have been sufficient to get me in the car. But, I, I mean, I wasn't flailing or anything. He was in no danger of me, like, hitting him. I had never thrown a punch. He was the one who was on me. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that that could have some uh, homophobic um, 
incentive or something that, that he was just saying, I, I don't want to touch this person because I, I might be perceived by my cohorts as, uh, you know, gay or something. So there was, there's that. Yeah. I mean, I just think back to a couple of incidents, like we'll probably read a story later on tonight about a cop who basically shot up a car full of transgendered women. And uh, that just oh happened goodness. recently. Yeah. I mean, people injured and this cop had a record of violence and stuff like that. Well, these people but- are different. Got to watch out for them. Don't well, want to be yeah. perceived as liking them or anything. So, Well, exactly. And we can talk about the motivations behind that. But I just remember um, Brad Jardis, who was a liberty-oriented person who was worked in policing in New Hampshire, um, encountered a lot of flack from his coworkers when he was a part of the police force for supporting ending the war on drugs and ending drug prohibition. Right. And one of the things that they did to him was they drew a picture of him, a caricature as super gay man, and they put it up on his locker in the locker room and they were making very homophobic comments to him, alleging that he was gay. And he was a straight guy. I mean, there was right. no no indication that he was gay. Not that there's anything wrong with that if there was, but that was their way of making fun of him as if that was like the worst insult that they could think up. Right. Well, it- so clearly, you know, I, I don't I don't think it's out of this world to say that it's you know, that cops can be prejudiced, you know, just like a lot of other people. Well, it sounds like in their mind, yeah, being Mm -hmm. gay makes you less than a man. Right. And just makes you almost less than human. And so being associated or being perceived as someone who um, is accepting of gay people is just enough to um, make them fear fearful of what others will say about them. And we all know what happens when they get fearful, they use violence. That's the only tool they know. Yeah. When you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Here, here. 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. When you're planning your move to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project, consider Keene. Civil disobedience, politics, media, outreach, and social events. Keene has it all. Get connected with video, audio, our forum, and more at freekeen.com. That's freekeen.com. Talk Live, 855-453. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line on the live Sunday edition of Free Talk Live. It's the live Sunday extreme edition with Mark. And Stephanie. And Derek. <laughs> there you That's go. That's the right order. I told you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Stephanie, you had mentioned a story that is on our show prep list uh, for the evening regarding, um, I guess, a carload of uh, four transsexual ladies which means that uh, what what does that mean i think they were probably male to female transgendered or transsexual people okay yeah. that's and what i thought it meant i'm not quite sure but that sounds like what it was so this story is from copblock.org and the headline is cop and transgender shooting had record of alcohol abuse and violence how does a cop with multiple incidents of alcohol fueled misconduct stay on the job for 20 plus years It's a good question and one that many people are asking in the wake of a recent late night incidents of extreme violence, wherein veteran Washington, D.C. police officer Kenneth Furr wound up standing on the hood of his his Cadillac, firing his service weapon into a car full of transgender women he just (laughs) rammed into, screaming, I'm going to kill all of you. This sounds reasonable. Three people were injured and one suffered multiple gunshot wounds in the attack. Furr blew. Now listen to this. Furr blew a point. 15 blood alcohol. Point Get 15. ready. 
So that's twice the legal limit. Just about. Uh, just just shy of uh, just shy of twice the legal limit. But that was five hours later. Oh my god! Oh, this is how they god. do it. This is how they do it when it comes to cops all the time. Is they'll give them these little tricks. There's these ways to to get out of it. Uh, you know, they'll be helpful or whatever. I mean, this cop must know that is all you have to do is burp, um, and then they can't take your <laughs> take your uh, blood alcohol level. Maybe maybe he burped. Long, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, go Something, on. Yeah, I mean, he must have been wasted. Okay, so he was arrested on suspicion of DWI, which is, he wasn't suspicious, on suspicion of attempted murder? I mean, <laughs> yeah, hello, there are bigger charges here. Yeah. He was, he was found standing on the hood of his Cadillac. After he had rammed into their car. So he actually caps into acted. some He crashed car. into their car and then screamed, I'm going to kill you, and then shot them all. Yeah. And luckily, he was probably so drunk that he missed most of the vital targets, but there was at least one person had really severe gunshot wounds and they all got shot. Yeah, this is terrible. My goodness. So he has since been ordered to stand trial for assault, though not the more serious, but obviously appropriate charge of attempted murder. The good news is he's being held without bond, so he will stay in jail until the next court appearance. And due to the judge's decision that based upon his record and the circumstances of the case, he presents a clear and dangerous at present danger to society at large. So um, there's yeah. a couple of thoughts here for, for me. Um, they're not letting him out, right. which uh, they'll often do. They'll charge you with the least they can charge you with so that they can put together a better case. Um, so maybe that's what they're doing. But I'll tell you, this is a group of people that has to deal with a great deal of discrimination in society. Yeah, don't they don't they get enough like flack from everybody during during the regular day that they have to deal with with this guy in uniform or he he was like no, in his regular car, um, right? He did fire he, his service weapon, so I don't know if he w- was in uniform, but okay. he did have his gun that they issued him. He was out in his personal car. They didn't they didn't it wasn't the police right. Cadillac. And by the way, he has not <laughs> been fired yet. He's on administrative leave. Oh, it's impossible to fire a police officer. What, does that mean paid? Uh administrative leave so it doesn't say unpaid so i assume that it is paid oh yes yeah so he's being paid to rot in jail after he shot up a car full of transgender people all i gotta say is they better (laughs) they better charge this guy because this is uh you know i mean this so it it gets better it says the real scandal is that this event Never had to happen at all, even without taking into consideration for his seriously checkered past or his department's utter failure to address it. The confrontation began in a CVS drugstore earlier that morning where he got into a verbal altercation, allegedly over the rejection of his clumsy advances toward one of the victims that ultimately climaxed with him brandishing his service weapon and threatening them. Uh, were he a mundane, such as such an indiscretion would see him charged with assault with a deadly weapon, criminal negligence, menacing, and any other number of related crimes. And that's oh, so true. Mundane Whoa. is uh, what William Norman Griggs' uh, <laughs> terminology for those of us who do not work for the government. And right. all anyone has to do is think about, you know, police officers don't give their own um, tickets for rolling through stop signs, but they'll sure give them to you. And so, I mean, that 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 much is clear and obvious that there's a different sort of uh, law enforcement for police officers than there are for the regular folks. Yeah. Anyone who thinks that there's a rule of law is fooling themselves because it's obvious that police it doesn't apply to police. Well, this looks really bad. This looks like this police department doesn't care that he shot into a car with four transgendered folks in it. Well, and not only that, but he had a record of other crimes that were alcohol related on his on his record. And it says so he got into a confrontation at the CVS with these ladies 
um, earlier in the day when he shot them. And it says, but the situation was diffused by another off-duty cop working security at the store. However, rather than arresting Fur and calling in backup to detain an obviously intoxicated and dangerous man with a gun, this Keystone cop gave his brother in blue a free pass. So another cop saw this happen that morning, brandishing a weapon. I mean, this guy was brandishing a weapon in D.C., where oh, yeah. most people are not allowed to have guns in D.C. Right. And right. so, you know, there are some people who say that maybe if people could carry guns in D.C., there would be a lot less crime, you know. But this this cop was brandishing a gun because he hit on someone who he thought was a woman and it turned out to be a transgendered person and, wow. you know, got mad about that. And she rejected him. Right. So, well. Who would? Yeah. I mean, who? I mean, well, the, but, the, the suggestion I would think that a lot of people would make is that um, that the transgendered folks, you know, might have low uh, standards and therefore would take anybody. So, I mean, that I think that's an interesting, um, you know, uh, interesting a little ex- extra in the story. I suspect he was just inebriated and couldn't tell the difference. I mean, you know, I, th- I think he thought he was hitting on a woman, right? That's, yeah, but that, there there is this idea that a lot of um, people have that they become enraged, like these people who are really into um, masculinity and like machismo and stuff. Well, yeah, he took if, it personally. He well, carried the vendetta all day. Right. Yeah. But, I mean, I mean, but when they it. see a person who is transgendered and they think and then they realize that it's a transgendered person, that they weren't born a woman mm-hmm. and they get this idea that, oh, they've fooled me. And then they oh, get yeah. enraged because of that, because it just threatens their masculinity. Right. right. There there actually is no victim, but they're they're just perceiving themselves as one. Right. Yeah. So and I mean, well, to I think add that to there probably that, have been uh, people in the past that have been tr- uh, t- been, well, been tricked. I, yeah. I, I wouldn't doubt that. And I would find myself very upset um, in that scenario. But um, well, if she were leading him on. Right. But right. That this, wasn't in the this case. scenario, this is him hitting on her. Yeah. And that's, you know, there's nothing. There has been no problem. He has not been tricked. I just can't imagine what on earth would it take for this man to lose his job i mean for goodness sake (laughs) yeah if he didn't lose it after he screamed i'm gonna kill you and brandishing a weapon by morning then smashing into a car and shooting it up by night yeah i mean where are the good hours of his day (laughs) (laughs) he he could very well have did he he met these ladies um at a cvs early in the morning and Uh then ran into their car in the evening yes what does that mean? He was following them, maybe? I guess that's what that means. Poorly. I guess. Oh, God. Um, and, you know, this is not, this story is a egregious example, but there are many other cases that have been read on Free Talk Live and other places throughout the years where cops will rape transgendered people and get away with it and not be charged with rape. And, you know, they'll do violence, they'll beat them up, and they'll well, not be case, charged. in this case, he brandished a weapon um, and threatened Four transgendered folks and, and and another cop saw it and did nothing. Right. Well, and, and got away with it. I mean, yeah. he was given a pass, mm-hmm. and that's that. I think that's probably the the first and most relevant uh, fact in this story. Um, I think he may very well get something um, for this. Like he probably loses his job. He'll probably get charged. Um, you know, they'll they'll try to go as light as they can. But at this point, it's a national story. But they didn't do it earlier. When they had the opportunity. Well, for the last 20 years, I mean, what has this guy been doing? It's it's not like he's some gem who's just like all yeah. of a sudden cut loose. It's, exactly. I mean, he has a record <laughs> of being a, just a moron. Yeah. I mean, well, an alcoholic for sure. I mean, being drunk on the job and having these incidences of misconduct, which didn't cause him to lose his job. He apparently just, spent the whole day drinking and ch- uh, chasing around trannies. I mean, I, right. <laughs> it's a it's a heck of a day this fella had. It, 
the idea that anyone pays this guy to be a public servant is just a joke. I, I can't believe... Well, they're forced to, yeah. I mean, this would never fly in the free market. Right? Well, no, yeah. no. I mean... It, <laughs> Hopefully if you hired a security a company and they were shooting their customers, I mean, that would never pass for anything that's acceptable. No. So this is a special case for the boys in blue who like to protect their own and they're just going to sweep it under the rug the best they can. Uh, yeah. That seems to be my impression that they just want to protect this jackass. If you'll just pardon my French. I'm sorry. They, they are looking to protect this man. Yeah. And that's There's nothing nice I have to wrong. say about him. And, you know, to add insult to injury, I guess the... Uh, the defense attorney, you know, made some comments about their about the victim's gender, you know, in the court when they were doing the arraignment or something like that. So just an awful example of uh, discrimination and police misconduct and crazy alcoholism. Well, thank you for sharing. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI line here. I had some technical problems. I apologize to Ty in Tennessee. We'll get to your call. Free Talk Live amplifiers get access to higher quality archives free of commercial breaks and other perks. Join AMP for just $3 per month at amp.freetalklive.com. Eight fifty five four fifty free. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line here on Free Talk Live. You can give us a call, talk about whatever you want to talk about, 855-450-3733. It's the live Sunday night edition. Yes, you are hearing a live radio program. It's Mark with you. And Stephanie. Derek had to go. He was too fabulous. Yeah, Derek was just getting too fabulous for the studio. So he had to go on. He'll be back. I asked him to to give his story, and so he made a special time out of his, cut some time out of his day, but didn't have three hours for us. So let's go to Ty in Tennessee. Ty? Hey, good evening, uh, you two. It's uh, I just got through listening to the podcast earlier uh, from last night, and I was surprised to hear that uh, I guess uh, some radio station out in Montana dropped dropped because of the way nine eleven was treated, or was it nine eleven, or was it conspiracy theories in general? I think that it was. Um, if if I had to make a speculation, um, it was uh, Texas, and um, I don't think it was Montana. That there was a st- there was a station in the past in Montana that dropped us that was over our uh, stand on conspiracy theories. It may have been the same thing in the the Texas station. I don't but know. they only dropped you for one night, right? Maybe I don't know. Okay, I, I don't have any answers. Uh, I just uh, just noticed a couple of the callers that called in. I think what they're missing to see the idea, you know, about kind of the relation between 9-11 and Hiroshima and Nagasaki uh, is because, I don't know if it's because of media or public schools, you know, government-controlled schools, but the empathy is somehow lost. Yep. People lose their empathy. They can't empathize with the Japanese people in World War II. They can empathize, empathize with them now. With the people in the Middle East, right? They can empathize with the Japanese yeah, people yeah. now during the, uh, the 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 tragedy that with the earthquakes and the the nuclear reactor and stuff like that. They can empathize then, but they can't empathize with the Japanese during World War II. And it's very interesting how they choose to just sort of characterize them in their mind. And, well, and, it's sort of like a prerequisite for for going to war, right? The other side has to be painted as less than human, right? And when something is less than human, then they're not like me, yep. right? And so I can't empathize with them. They're bad. Yeah, we're good. I, I right. noticed all the callers were saying things like, well, those people are crazy. They said that about the Japanese in World War II. Sure. And they yeah. said that about, you know, 
terrorists, you know, hey, there might be some kind of a... Every war in history, and they've, you know, every side has said that about each other, and there have been these, like, racially motivated caricatures drawn of people. Like, you you should see some of the propaganda. I bet it'll come up on Google Images if you just Google World War II propaganda. Like, the Japanese are drawn as these, like... The, the the eyes are like really uh, greatly exaggerated right. and they so have like the big teeth. teeth yeah. yeah and it's just yeah, like a teeth. caricature <laughs> go ahead ty yeah it is it's horrible i mean but i think that i think that you're not going to get through that that shell until that empathy is reestablished and i don't even know how that would be possible you know there there are a couple of real hard shell myths in american culture and regarding World War II, and, and that myth is, you know, that, that Nagasaki and Hiroshima were justified, which is not. If you really look at the objective facts, it was not a justified bombing. No. And the How is it ever is justified that, to kill all these civilians? But in this particular well, case, no. one can uh, you know, there's, there wasn't even much of a strategic uh, yeah. value to it. They had already preferred yeah. uh, a surrender. Yeah. Uh, the The difference was that the United States wanted unconditional surrender versus the conditions that apparently the Japanese had offered, which was that their uh, emperor still be considered uh, to be allowed to stay. Which, of course, the United States let him do anyway. So, I mean, basically, these bomb bombings were for nothing. Yeah. So yeah, they accomplished they, all they really accomplished was it was a test bed yes. for those weapons. That's, that's what it was about, I, in my opinion. Yeah, that, that's my opinion too. After after you know researching again the facts surrounding it, but I, I was raised for many years believing you know it's, it's like an automatic thing. Oh, that was justified. Oh, you know those people were horrible. That was justified. Well, Ty, you know is, one of the things that we mentioned to them last night was I think when. When one thinks of oneself as part of the we, part of the collective, like as in we bombed Japan or we went to war, we invaded Iraq. When one thinks of oneself as part of that collective, they feel a need to justify the actions of the government, who is really the ones who are in control. Right. And they don't want to admit that they've done anything wrong. So anything the government has done has to be right. Yeah. so I guess there's two things. They're trying to find a way to have people restore their empathy and to get away from the collectivism. The, what I was yeah. trying to accomplish, Ty, was to get people to actually critically think about the differences between 9-11 and um, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. There are differences. One occurred during a declared war. One didn't. Um, you know, one was... Uh, more successful from a you know a devastation standpoint um, and resulted in a much quicker end to hostilities than the other one did so um, I mean there 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 are actual answers to the question I asked which is what is the difference but as long as they um, you know aren't asking any of those questions then they won't realize well these are just two um, organizations willing to use violence to get what their um, to get what their end goals are and you know those that's that's that you know, Ty. Yeah, their, shields were, their shields were up. You know, I mean, the one guy said something to the effect of, "You know, how dare you? How dare you? Yeah. Yep. How dare you even try to make a comparison? On, on today of all days, yeah. you are yeah. a bad American, sir." And, and Ty, about about that specific caller, I remember it really well because I remember he he came out with guns a blazing. Basically, you know, he called us names, yep. several different names, and said some pretty insulting things. But you know, I really try when people do that really to to kind of 
recognize what I'm feeling when I hear something like that, you know, and, and give myself a little bit of that, that empathy that I want to give to other people. And once I do that, you know, it's kind of clear that what he's saying his actual words, like you guys are unemployable who gave you these microphones. That's just noise. What he's really saying behind those words is I'm scared. I don't like these beliefs being challenged. This is upsetting me because it's something that I've never heard before. And I don't want to think about, I don't want to confront some of these cognitive dissonances that I have. Right. Um, you know, I, I want to feel, yeah. So I, I think that, I think that that fear has to be heard first and, and kind of, uh, allowed to speak up, I guess. It, it's but- one of the reasons that I try not to really um, approach it when somebody name calls um, here on, on the air. Yeah. We used to do a lot of name calling on Free Talk Live. We were essentially, you know, a very similar show to many shows that were out there at the time. You know, screamers is well, what the I really uh, terminology to, is. I was torn actually last night, Mark, because I wanted to say something to that guy. If you notice, like during the first segment when he called in, I let you do most of the talking because I wasn't really... I, think I interrupted you once, but yeah. <laughs> well, I, w- I wasn't really ready to talk to him. And what I wanted to say to him first off was that I, I'm really only wanting to talk to you if you can refrain from calling names. You think you can do that and just make that request of him, you know, and I would have liked to do that. But then I was thinking, well, you know, people, I guess, like to listen to conflict on the radio. And so what do I do? Yeah, I, That would be my response to it is uh, it's kind of a domination technique to in order to have, um, you know, sort of civil discourse. And, you know, may he may or may not be able to, uh, to participate in such a thing. But in fact, people want to hear that. I mean, that he is speaking for a large segment of the audience out there. And I you know, wanted to be able to talk to him in his uh, most raw form, frankly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I also um, I also drive around a lot. I'm, I'm on call this weekend. I do field service work Whatever that is. around Memphis, the Memphis area, and uh, well, I drive around and fix things. Okay. But anyway, mm. uh, they have the, you know the signs on the highway that they can put up warnings or whatnot. Every one of the signs around the loop around Memphis were saying uh, 9/11/01. Never mm. forget. We will never forget. Doesn't that sound like, like a war know, cry to you? I mean, that's what it sounds it like to me. I'm not saying that we should forget is, people, but I, I just that's was what I hear. There a lesson learned? Was there a lesson learned? I don't think and so, because clearly what the U.S. has been doing, the foreign policy angle, has not accomplished the goal of stopping terrorism. And it's it hasn't even accomplished the goal of helping people to feel safe. I mean, I think what the government really wants when they say stuff like, never forget and we will always remember and that kind of thing is to keep people in a perpetual state of fear and never have them move past the feelings that they felt 10 years ago today you know and that fear is the empathy killer yes and that's what breeds control the ability for the politicians to control people and i i think you're spot on with that ty thanks ty absolutely 855 450 free the SACL toll-free call in line here on free talk live 855-450-3733 Do you have a product or service that you can sell to a national audience? Free Talk Live is a nationally syndicated radio program on more than 100 radio stations coast to coast. We've been named Talkers Magazine's Heavy 100 list. That's the 100 most important radio talk shows in the nation thrice. And five times the best political podcast from podcastawards.com. You can have access to our more than 100 radio stations and our large and loyal podcast audience for less than $1,000 a month. Contact me, Mark, at freetalklive.com.
Talk Live, 855-453. That's the SACL toll-free call in line here on Free Talk Live, the live Sunday edition with Mark. And Stephanie. Are you on any medications? Are you getting your meds at a local pharmacy? If you are, you're likely paying more than you have to. There's a better way. Discount prescription services will get you your meds at high, at discounts, excuse me, as high as 70% off. And they'll deliver them right to your door. All you have to do is go to meds.freetalklive.com. Uh, they've got a telephone number there, and, and there's a, you can click to become a member right on the page. If you want to do it online, it's up to you. Their customer service is excellent. They'll walk you through every step of the way. You'll save big time. They do third-party certification of all their meds. Make sure that you're getting what you ordered, whether it's Viagra, Cialis, Boniva, Ablify, Lipitor, Nexium, or Zetia. It's meds.freetalklive.com. Let's go to the phones. Jeremy in Alaska. Jeremy. Hey, Mark. Long time no here. I haven't heard I just, from you in uh, so long, Jeremy. Uh, well, I, I still listen to you all a lot, but I thought Stephanie was being a little unfair for an alcoholic because you know I like to drink and, uh, you know, I, I've changed <laughs> well, a lot. It's, Jeremy, I, as long as you're not shooting at a carload of people. Yeah, I think that so, you're right. Perhaps yeah. I should have focused on the violence instead of the alcohol itself. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that guy's that guy's a total jerk, you know. For you know, but you know, used to last time I called the show, uh, I wouldn't have nothing to do with gay people. But uh, you know, now I have gay friends, I have libertarian friends, I have Republicans. I mean, it's just all kinds of people, and we got to start looking out for each other and forget mm-hmm. about this. Uh, you know, going after people for stupid stuff, but yeah. You know, just uh, I can appreciate you know, where you're coming just, from, Jeremy. Would you consider yourself an alcoholic? Yeah. You think so? But yeah, I'm an alcoholic, but uh, I, I wouldn't go uh, after nobody because of their race, creed, gender. Or oh, I don't think that there's any. Yeah. There's a, like that. An alcoholic's only a person who has a problem with alcohol. Um, yeah. So. What um what do you think I mean so you have no control over your ability to drink is that uh, is that it because I've I've you've called in plenty of times uh, without having uh, had anything to drink it sounds like you've had a few this evening though yeah well uh, you know today is a pretty stress stressful day for you know the country in general you know like the encroaching police state and like uh you know this wacko that went after those transgenders, you know, it's like, you know, I still like my guns and everything, but I'll tell you, Mark, you know, I used to be a part of the militia, and I even quit them because it turned out to be a bunch of racist bigots, man. And, wow. And, Just and, wasn't your thing, huh? You know, they're, they, they're all about hate Islam and hate Muslims and I'm oh. just tired of the hate, man. I don't wow. want to have nothing to do with hate. Not going to solve our problems with hate. I can really appreciate it. Jeremy, yeah. I, I thank you for the call. 855-450-3733. It's uh, absolutely right. Yeah. It's interesting how um, you know we, we change because this really happened for me in my life, too. I was, uh, for those that listen to the show, you'll, you'll know this is true. For those that uh, don't hear, I'm about to tell you. I spent uh, about, about eight years, seven months of my life in prison. And this is a pretty segregated place. And I don't mean segregated, meaning that they attempt to segregate you, although they do only put whites in white rooms, although they call um, Hispanics whites, and um, blacks in black rooms. And it's very um, interesting that they chose to do that. Hmm. But this. So they don't separate whites and Hispanics, but they do separate 
whites and Hispanics from blacks? In in, in the rooms, not in the uh, the the uh, pods, I guess is the term that they used. Didn't so, you say that you chose one time to be many times. roommates with a black guy or sure. something? Okay. Yeah, so, the, but if they're randomly assigning you, they don't they choose someone who's the same race. Similar race, yeah, okay. um, or whatever. So um, I believe that the the others would go in either. Uh, whites would only be with whites, and blacks would only be with blacks. But they would often call Cubans whites too. And, and what you know, if someone was um, mixed? Was you know what? Not black or white. You I know? think that maybe they got to pick as to what race they were. Okay. And at that point, they were that race from there on out. Okay. Um, wow. You know, I wouldn't have even, you know, suggested what my race was at the time. I just assumed I knew what my race is. But, you know, I think you go through life, you find out more things about yourself and your your lineage. And, um, you know, I I just, this was kind of a segregated place. I mean, they would, the the inmates would click up, as it were, based on racial lines and uh, where, where they were from and things like that. So, you know, it's just kind of this. This place that, uh, you know, where these divisions were. And I had many of these divisions in my mind. I, um, you know, I believed stories that uh, you tell and these kind of things. But when you find out more information, the Internet has made a lot of information available. And so, you know, just a lot of these things about races, they're not true. Mm -hmm. And I decided to let all that go for myself. It wasn't working for me in my life. It wasn't solving any problems for me. Mm -hmm. There there are people that uh, I I would want to associate with and not want to associate with of all races. So why make distinctions um, with between one? And I yeah, it doesn't. Well, you know, learning about liberty really helped smash any of the prejudices that I had, you know, that I had absorbed from culture without even really realizing it. And, you know, especially when we talk about LGBT folks, you know, gay or transgendered or bisexual, whatever. Um, I think that a lot of people have kind of these these weird stereotypes and prejudices about them until they realize that they actually have a gay friend or yeah. a transgendered friend or bisexual or whatever, you know. And and then it's like, wow, well, hmm, I know this person and they're LGBT and they don't have any of these qualities that I had attributed to them. And, you know, they're a nice person, so... So the, I saw this phenomenon in prison um, that, you know, is kind of interesting, right? Mm-hmm. It's this cultural phenomenon. And I'm going to have to use some, uh, you know, allude to some terms that I don't particularly like. My, uh, you know, they would people would say that and, and this would this would be even used uh, by, by blacks and whites and really just strange things. It's a strange way to refer to, to refer to uh, folks is they would say, oh, he's not an N word. He's a black guy or he's whiter than that or something like that so they would use terms like white to describe oh, the what does that mean I, I i can kind of get where it's coming from like so, you know the so way the, he in speaks that case, or the that, n-word term was derogatory and the black guy was not and, right okay so um you know that would be that would be to say that uh, you and know was, n-word is for a uh, a bad black guy would be the terminology but then they would sometimes use it um you know as a you know a catch-all phrase for any you know, blacks that happen to be in a group that maybe they didn't mm-hmm. like or whatever. And was this? Um, and that's who, why it's not a useful term. Who was saying that? Was it? Sometimes it, I would definitely i I would definitely hear white guys say that. Um, and at times I'd heard black guys, you know, trying to you know fit in, maybe say things like that too. Hmm. But yeah. you know. What, yeah, well, I mean, as the case may be, it's, it's guess, all very odd. If you're in prison, you know, <laughs> you've, you've been really abused and pushed around and kicked, kicked down a lot of times. And I think a lot of people who are in that position, you know, 
you know, want to get out of it, but also want to be on the giving end of that abuse. Right. And so they kind of fall into these things where they want to be part of hierarchies and they want to be on the top. And, you know, well, it's like, it's almost like government school, right? When like, you have these people that group themselves by whatever uh, means they group themselves by, it tends to reinforce the the groupings in people's minds. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if, if somebody decides black guys are bad and then the group of black guys treats them poorly um, and because they're white, then, you know, it's going it to reinforce It becomes a real that, vicious cycle. Yeah, it could, it could very well be. And th- this happens, and this, of course, can go the other way and all over the place. Yeah, this is interesting to me. I want to hear how you broke out of this paradigm. Oh, well, I yeah. got free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 855-450-373. Free Talk Live. The successes are piling up and proving the Free State Project is a real movement and no longer just a great idea. When you're planning your move to New Hampshire, consider Keene. Keene is famous for its civil disobedience and non-cooperation, and there's plenty of political opportunity as well. Though it's more than just activism, with regular social events each week. See what's happening at freekeen.com and get connected with video, audio, one of the busiest Liberty Forums in New Hampshire, and more at freekeen.com. That's freekeen.com. Free Talk Live, 855-453. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line here on the live Sunday evening edition of Free Talk Live. You know, uh, there's been a lot of talk about Ron Paul here on Free Talk Live recently. We're getting into the getting into the election season and... Oh, joy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know it's not a big... <laughs> elections aren't your favorite things in the world, Stephanie, but, you know... It's a talk radio show, and it's a libertarian talk radio show, and a lot of our audience cares about Ron Paul. I care about Ron Paul. Um, there are other candidates out there, specifically Gary Johnson, who is a, is a pretty good candidate. I don't know whether he's going to be able to uh, to hop up into the, the uh, first tier, but I'd say Ron Paul certainly is in the first tier. And I've got um, a story here from news.yahoo.com uh, by Chris uh, Moody, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. It's a, you know, uh, it's a few days old, but it's it's interesting as a poll here in yet another sign that perhaps the news media ought to think about treating his presidential campaign more seriously. Ron Paul was viewed about as favorably as Rick Perry and Mitt Romney by Americans in a new poll. In an Associated Press GFK telephone survey of the general population, 37% of respondents said that they had a positive view of libertarian-leaning representative from Texas, while 36% said they did not. So 37, 36. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go over these numbers just to try to hold these numbers in your mind. 37, 36, uh, this is positive to negative. I have another uh, poll in my email that was forwarded to me that may probably confirm what you're saying, yep. which is interesting. There's so. a couple of them, and I was going to, you know, I, I, we'll just give you some poll numbers here so people sure. can see. But essentially what uh, the, the, the point of this is, uh, I'm going to give you some facts, but the point of it is is that Ron Paul is firmly in the top tier. Yeah, about okay. 40% of people said they have positive impact or positive uh, opinion of him, right? This is 37, uh, 37, 36. Okay. Yep. Perry, the Texas is governor. Is there a margin of error on this? Uh, they, they're not giving a margin of error, but uh, there always is. Do you know the sample size? I don't have it. Uh, this okay. is a phone survey. They try to get them as close as uh, the polls. Uh, 4.1% yeah. margin of error is what it says. 
Okay, so five four percent either way. That's a pretty big margin of error, and usually they only survey about a thousand people. Usually in these in these polls, so take it's it a, with a grain of salt. Well, I but, mean, it, these but it's approximate when, they, when there's right? a preponderance of polls. Yep. It um, and there is. Yep, what yep. you know, what that says to me is that Ron Paul is you know he he can get a segment of the population in New Hampshire to vote for him. Well, basically what I don't know. Does it say that? Because if they if they have a positive opinion of him, that's one thing. But there were a lot of libertarians in the last election who said they they liked Ron Paul, but they thought he could never win. So they wouldn't vote for him. Well, but you know? the poll, that's why polls are important. Mm-hmm. The polls are important because it shows people that these polls blow away what was going on previously. These aren't straw polls. Mm-hmm. These are not online voting polls. These are real live telephone call in polls where, um, you know, the, in the last election, Ron Paul didn't really show up in those. We didn't talk about those. and and these are the ones where if i recall the last time they were criticized because the polling companies were calling people with landlines right and who has landlines yes. old people right right so now <laughs> that that excuse and it's an it's a valid excuse yes but that excuse isn't being used because it doesn't need to be because ron paul's in the top tier so if even the most conservative or the people who are likely to be the most conservative meaning the least likely to embrace change yes right they're Those picking up the kind of people are into Ron Paul, then it seems like that bodes well for him, right? Right. And mm-hmm. the, you know, basically what you're talking about here is that uh, people have, they've tried the Republican, they've tried the Democrat, let's try something new. Yeah. And uh, Ron Paul is definitely something new. So anyway, uh, that's 3736. Perry, the Texas governor, and Romney, the former Massachusetts governor, invoked similar, similar favorable, unfavorable ratings that also fell within the polls 4.1% margin of error. Romney was viewed th- uh, by 39% and Perry by, um, uh, viewed by 33%. Viewed th- Yes. Okay. Viewed favorably by th- uh, 39% okay. and Romney 33, excuse me, Perry 33, Romney 39. And Another 41%. What were their negative ratings? 41 for Romney and 36 for Perry. Oh, so people, the, the top three are essentially the same. Yes. About 40% of people like them, 40% of people dislike them. Right. All three of them. And the thing I wonder about the general election um, is that, uh, by the way, Newt Gingr- Gingrich came in last with a 57% unfavorable, 27% favorable. Um, so, you know, what this uh, what this is saying to me is that, um, you know, that, that he has an opportunity and he has a, a, a chance to you know get because right now you're talking about name recognition what people are making up their minds for whom they're going to vote in the primary really f- factually only a few of the, the the first primaries are the only ones that matter so mm-hmm. you're talking about people in iowa people in um new hampshire and if they they, they do keep a much better idea they Folks in New Hampshire know that it is their God-given duty to pick the president of the United States for for the rest of America. That's what they know, and they will vet um, the, the uh, <laughs> candidates. That. Wow. <laughs> and okay, go ahead. Mark. I'm telling you, that's how people are here. <laughs> Maybe it's not your experience, but I I gotta say that I think that people take their their um, you know their look at the president a little more seriously. I think than I'm most. just laughing because you just said people in New Hampshire think it's their God given duty to choose the president, and I'm an atheist and a voluntarist. It's so. a uh, <laughs> it's a generalization, right? Yes, like, you yes. know, we we could just rip all generalizations out of the language, but it would be less useful. <laughs> Um, okay, go on. So, I didn't mean to hold. <laughs> so um, another poll I have here that of uh, Ron Paul, and I think that uh, this is the national GOP primary. If you look at the top four candidates that are cu- currently declared, it's uh, Perry, Romney, Paul, and Bachman. Uh, Perry comes in at 27 percent. 
Romney comes in at 22%. Palin slides in at 14%. But remember, she's not declared mm-hmm. and not likely. I mean, at this point, it's looking less and less likely that she's going to run. I mean, everybody's yep. saying, yeah, she's not going to run. She's just trying to – she's just getting – uh, you know the votes, and she has more uh, getting uh, people's attentions for her reality show or whatever. Uh, take she, your word for it. And I she has more, an, a more unfavorable um, rating than than many. So I'm frankly, she doesn't concern me. But 14 percent for Palin. None of the above comes in above Ron Paul at 11 uh, percent. And I think hey, that, that's great. That's uh, good news for libertarians. No, it's not because <laughs> none of the above can't win even when they win. Um, <laughs> none of the above likely, it should be on the ballot. That's I'd love 11, to vote for none of the. I agree, <laughs> I'm with you. If none of the above was on the ballot, you would get me to vote for none of the above most of the time. However, nobody um, when when nobody wins, nobody wins. <laughs> the um, so none of the above is on here at 11 percent, but that just means these are votes that can be parsed among the other list. And Ron Paul beat Michelle Bachman, who is definitely considered a top tier, tier candidate by two percent. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's very likely to at eight percent is what he said. So, yeah. you know, I, what I see is a candidate who's, uh, you know, got a reasonable chance. You, Rick Perry, Romney, Bachman. To me, these people are extraordinarily similar and yeah, that Christian conservative, warmongering, big spending, a small spending talking, you know. Yep, they talk about spending Republicans. And, yeah. It, I, if Michelle Bachman, the Tea Party caucus gal, gets in, I guarantee you the government's going to grow under her just like it did under Bush, yeah. the, the second, Bush the first, Reagan, and the rest of them. That's yeah. just what happens. Let's go to Donnie in Michigan. Donnie? Hey, Mark, I think you're finally getting the hang of this radio thing. Thanks. I'm doing my best. Sounds like you're improving. Um, you know what I listened to today was your 9-11 show from last year. Okay. The uh, timeline thing you guys did, remember? Yeah, the timelines of the intervention in the Middle East. I think that's a very important article. I, l- I reference it all the time. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, that was an outstanding show. I love that. Thank you. Um, a couple of, three weeks ago, um, Stephanie, you said that uh, the, the Bible condones rape. Uh, there are multiple examples of rape in the Bible. Yeah, and it, it condoning it. Well, I don't know. It doesn't seem to be. Let me jump in if I could. Okay. I, I happen to know this one. Um, I mean, you're, you're going after a gal who probably hasn't read the Bible very much. No, but... I've read it, but many years ago. And I mean, I read select quotes from it. It's. Um, I believe it might have been Joshua or it was uh, Moses, but uh, basically those are the same two generals. Um, they. They offered the virgins of this particular town to the soldiers upon their yeah. uh, their their winning. Take my virgin daughters. Right? And yeah. what do you think they did with those virgins? Well, I don't know. I thought they made them wise. <laughs> I, I actually have a whole list of examples of Just rape in the Bible. Hold the line, Donnie. We'll bring it back. Okay. That are condoned. Thanks a lot. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. Free Talk Live. You can listen to Free Talk Live on the radio via podcast, the webcam, and our live streams at freetalklive.com. Not enough options? Now you can listen to Free Talk Live from any phone, anywhere. Add this number to your phone, 760-569-7752. It's a long-distance call, so make sure you're familiar with your phone's calling plan. The Free Talk Live listen lines are airing the latest episode of Free Talk Live 24 hours a day, including our live shows. Call 760-569-7752. That's 760-569-7752.
855-450 free. That's the SACL toll-free call in line, 855-450-3733. What is SACL CAI? Stephanie, you got an answer? <laughs> well, they do collections and uh, handle accounts receivable. That's right. They are a company owned by Jason Osborne, who is a big sponsor of the show, has been for a very long time, big believer in the ideas of liberty. And if you have a company that needs to handle, needs to try something new in the area of accounts receivable, they'll they'll handle it for you. SACL CAI. You can see their banner at freetalklive.com. It's top one, the right-hand side of the page. Make your life a lot easier. <laughs> Let's go back to Donnie. Calling in. Actually, I've got a technical problem here, and I can't get to putting him back on the air. Give me one second. And okay. he was just complimenting me on how well I was doing. Donnie? Uh, those breaks are a lot longer live. <laughs> they are. Well, you got to sit through them. <laughs> so uh, you called in and uh, talked about the Bible and rape, and I think I pointed out one uh, situation where it's it's likely some rape was involved. Yes, but there I would like to point out that there is not just one, but there are multiple examples of rape being condoned and endorsed in the Bible by various characters. And, you know, there are a lot of a lot of them seem to be when, you know, somebody is invading another city or something like that. And they say, take all the stuff and rape all the women. And if you see a woman that you want to be your wife, then just take her, you know, and it's things like that that. Really? I don't think they mean wife in the same way that, uh, you know. Oh, yeah. They mean wife wife for the night, right? (laughs) They own them. And and it's like if a woman has had sex, like, you know, she's only valuable if she's a virgin, right? Mm. And then at that that point, she's the property of her father and her father can sell her. Jericho and the battle of Jericho, a uh, prostitute actually helped the uh, Israelites uh, defeat Jericho. So, I mean, they they had some value for her. She got to live. Donnie? (laughs) Yeah, well, I don't know, just usually in, in the Bible, you know, any kind of sexual behavior is outside of marriage is, you know, strictly forbidden. Well, usually killing's That's forbidden, right. too, but when, uh, the, you know, when they were conquering Canaan, um, you know, because God told them to, <laughs> they were conquering Canaan, pretty much everything was, it was open season. Well, I can think of a lot of, of examples of rape in the Bible. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's kind of what the Bible's about. You know, God gives his law and man breaks the law over and over and over and over again. Mm. Those are the, the breakings. I mean, there's also instances of, in this in this case, I mean, the rapings were, you know, condoned because it's in a war warfare setting. And, um, you know, honestly, there's been research done. The Bible won't tell you this, but Yahweh is a um, is the. The, the war god of a panth, uh, pantheon of gods in the sort of, uh, you know, the Sinai area, the, the, the peninsula area. They, you know, these people believed in similar gods of those similar areas, and uh, Yahweh is just one of a pantheon of gods. Well, I'd have to read about that. I don't never heard that theory. Yeah, not familiar either. But... I've looked into it. I mean, this is for okay. me. I I spend most of my life, Donnie. I, I I nobody believes me when I tell tell them this, but I I'm constantly ta- thinking about God. This this God that I was taught about that I don't believe in <laughs> that I was taught about when I was growing up and trying to you know give that one final fact that's going to let my mind finally be free of this uh, the story that i've been told i mean i i'm constantly thinking about well what's that judgment day going to be like and what am i going to say to him when i finally got god's ear and i could point up at his face and i can say you and this crap that you did like i've got to say that i am angry at the god of the bible i mean just as mad as i could be and it's really really about the church um and what i was taught 
because there's lots of churches that teach different things. But, you know, my I, I don't know how I'm ever going to be able to bury this thing. Well, I think, I think okay. the church is the biggest problem with religion. Yeah, yeah. it really is. Yeah, it really is. It's, I mean, I've, I'm damaged by this story. What did uh, <laughs> is, I forget who said this? It might have been um, Stephen Molyneux, but uh, somebody said it's it's really hard to be a Christian if you read the Bible. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, Donnie, have we been as as little well, at least know, offensive? Actually, as... I, I find it helps. You think so? Uh-huh. Okay. So, okay. I think one should get the get one's peace where one can get it. Yeah. And the Bible's got some really great verses in it. Mm-hmm. It's just once, you know, a, so once Mark, the story damaged my mind, I was done. Donnie, Mark, I appreciate the call. I, I have a question that may help you free yourself, free your mind. Okay. Okay. I, I don't really, know. I've built, I've built really? this up now, but okay. So would you, cons- would you say that, um, you know, there are a lot of gods out there in, in a lot of different religions in the world, right? Yes. And you, you don't believe in like Shiva and Vishnu, the Hindu gods, and you don't believe nope. in the pagan gods or the Greek gods or the Norse gods or Zeus, nope. right? So no, I did see the, the the Thor movie, though, and it was excellent. <laughs> so you are an atheist with respect to all the other religions except the one that you were taught as a kid, right? That's correct. Okay. Well, the, you know, I frankly don't believe in the God of the Bible either. Mm-hmm. From an emotional, uh, from a from a sort of mental standpoint, it's the emotional standpoint. There's there's this damage on my psyche from the story that I was told that if I didn't believe this story, that I was going to be tortured for all of eternity. Right, and that's a you know, I mean, when when you give this ultimatum to a, a kid, it can oh, it's be, horrifying. It can be tough, and it, different different minds accept things differently. Many Christians will look at the Bible and they'll say, well, this is a you know, this is some people writing some stuff down. And that's what they thought about God. And that's what I think, too. I think that the Bible is uh, a representation of what these authors thought about their vision of what God was. I mean, I believe that there's some God out there, but I don't think he's this evil guy that was in the Old Testament doing all this awful stuff. So, um, you know, for me, that that's where I really get all muddled up is I've got this emotional thing where I broke free. Frankly, I believe and. You know, this is going to be tough for some Christians. I because be- they often believe that well, without God, you'd have no morality. Frankly, <laughs> that story of God, what, when I refuse to believe that, say, you know, Noah floated around the earth uh, for a year in a big giant uh, wooden box or yeah. whatever. The so, story what other is. lies have they told me? Right. Yeah. And once I stopped believing that lie, then I became an atheist, and <clears throat> and I did was well, an atheist without foundation. Mm-hmm. Without a foundation of morality, mm-hmm. at that point, well, God gives morality. So if I don't have God, then I have no morality. I can do whatever I want and get away with it. I believe I went to prison because of the silly stories I was told. Mm-hmm. I'm going to teach my son about morality for morality's sake because it's the best way to get through life. Yeah. That if you're moral, that you'll deal with people in a in a fashion that they will. In in large part, reciprocate mm-hmm. to you, and your life will be good as a result. And that's the reason to be moral. Yeah. That's the argument for morality, not because you're going to spend the rest of life in a in a burning pit. Many Christians believe that morality works too, because and because God created the the world and the universe to work in this moral fashion, well, which I, is fine. You know, when I hear people who say that morality is based on religion and that God. It also sometimes goes along with this kind of determinism, like God knows everything that's going to happen. And, you know, if so, why do I care about what's going on? Why shouldn't I just, you know, stay in bed? Well, that's (laughs) the thing. It seems like to me to act in a moral fashion, you need to have a choice. And if you don't have a choice about how to act, 
then how can you be moral? That's a very good question. I mean, determinism is a very interesting topic um, in the when you're when talking about God. I've heard atheists talk about determinism, and I find it to be, um, you know, this uh, apparently the universe is set up that you really don't have a choice. You're just I don't know. I I, I find this the the topic of determinism mm. outside of religion to be just irritating, and and I I can't figure out what they're talking about. Yeah. But inside of religion. I think it's very interesting. Mm. You know, if God it really knows everything that's going to happen, he's controlled everything, including time, then I really don't have a choice. And if I don't have a choice, then he's just sending me to hell because he felt like it. At which point, this is a fair and just God. Right. right. So, you know, I mean, it's this kind of strange uh, thing that they're thinking about. Well, I mean, there's the idea that God is supposed to be omnipresent and om omnipotent and Omniscient. omnibenevolent. Yeah. Yeah. And and so all seeing, all knowing, and all benevolent, right? But you know those things contradict each other. Like you can't, God couldn't possibly be all of those things if there are bad things happening in the universe and people are suffering and there's pain and stuff like that. You know? I don't know about that. Um, I think that you know one could claim that uh, this this world is um, you know is is just a phantom. In fact, the real world is the spiritual world. And this world's a test in order to make... Um, is there any evidence of that, though? Well, there's no evidence, but no. I mean, we're not talking about something that's evidence. We're talking about a faith-based <laughs> uh, belief system here. Yeah, but it's just... Yeah, go ahead. So, um, you, you know, and that this this world is a test. Actually, there is some evidence for it. There's evidence that this is one dimension in many, and um, you know that there may very well be that the third dimension is viewable from the fourth, fifth, sixth, whatever dimension that there is, and that that dimension is heaven. So, um, you know, the suggestion is is that this is a test for rising up into some other um, dimension, and yeah, if if so, then whatever pains and tribulations that one goes through is just the test in order to get the prize that's their idea oh yeah i don't <laughs> i know um, you don't i remain anything. to be convinced oh i know you <laughs> <laughs> i know you're not convinced at all <laughs> are you convinced 855-450-3733 free talk live On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, investment, and barter currency. We've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some great rates on some hand-picked gold and silver pieces. U.S. Eagles, British Sovereigns, 20 Francs, Lakota Nation Silver Rounds, Montana Silver Reserves, and Walking Liberty Halves. Call 877-857-9938 or go to gold.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can all at once. Gold.freetalklive.com. Eight fifty five four fifty three. That's the SACL toll free call in line. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. The live Sunday night edition of Free Talk Live. It's Mark with you and Stephanie. So, um, Stephanie, we were talking about Ron Paul and how he's doing against the uh, other candidates that are um, in the uh, election, and and you brought up uh, during the break, and I think it's very interesting the uh, the Rick Perry. Uh, comment. I, well, it wasn't his comment. It was um, the 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 thing. The biggest applause line of the entire debate in the Reagan National Library in California. Yeah. Was, so this week there was a big debate, apparently, right? Yeah, right. And it was a Republican debate, and Rick Perry, who's the governor of Texas right now, is in it. And somebody said, I guess the moderator 
said that Perry has um, executed a record-setting 234 people it from death tough. row during his um, term as the governor of Texas. And as soon as the moderator brought this fact up, the audience burst into lively, rowdy applause. Yeah, the biggest applause line of the night, really. Yeah. And um, I guess the question that the moderator asked him was essentially, do you lose any sleep at night knowing that there's a chance that you could have executed an innocent man? Right. And what we know uh, is that <laughs> anybody who would research this and anybody who wouldn't research uh, the um, you know statistics behind the death penalty if they were the the final check in that balance if they're executing people it's their job to execute people you probably should be your job to find out about executions 200 people more than 200 people have been um, let go exonerated freed from death row yeah and, and there's the innocence project right if you want right. to find out more about that I think they work to exonerate innocent people from death row. And there's surprisingly quite a few innocent people on death row. Yeah, now, I, I don't know what the percentages are, but it doesn't take too many. Uh, I mean, what, 5 percent, 3 percent? I don't know what the percentages are. Maybe it's higher than that. Maybe it's lower. I don't frankly know what the percentages are. And it I doesn't don't think matter can... if there are any innocent people that have been killed. I think that's a lot. You know, for for most people, I think that's enough to say that maybe this is a good idea. Now, I don't know what question Rick Perry thought he was answering, but the question that he answered with a no, I don't lose any sleep, is whether or not he lost any sleep over executing innocent people. And if you've executed 234 people, you've executed an innocent person. Uh, By any, you know, (laughs) any quantification, (laughs) um, I mean, that's that's it. We're just not, we're not a perfect race um, or being or I shouldn't use the term race uh, the perfect uh, species who would suggest that we were and this is what converted me from the idea of uh, capital punishment it isn't it's not an effective deterrent no it doesn't work so there's no there's no real advantage to in having it You've got states where murder rates are very similar to states right next door. Well, some have uh, death, the death penalty and others don't. So, I mean, you know, there's no – it doesn't work as a deterrent because these states have similar death rate uh, – murder rates. Well, and I think another important point to raise is that it doesn't restitute the victim in any way. It's, it's very important. I was just uh, pointing out what, what convinced me uh-huh. and what convinced me is that this uh, – you know, that A, it's not a deterrent and B, we know that we're flawed – so therefore, why would we advocate for a for an, a punishment that cannot be undone? That is, um, you know, that it, it is, is so very final. I guess no punishment can truly be undone. You know, a whipping can't be undone, or nor can a uh, you know an imprisonment. Yeah. Every day that you spend in prison, you, get your time you back. can't get your time back. But you can attempt to restitute somebody for their time. You can uh, let them free. You can give them some money. You can't do anything for a dead person because you executed them because you're so bloodthirsty. And yeah. uh, you know, I, I that's you know, the exact word that comes to mind. Bloodthirsty, bloodthirsty seems to be you know the only thing. I'm not saying that uh, that I think that guilty people should be let free. I'm not proposing that. But anybody who thinks that um, you know they're getting away with it because they spend their life on death row is out of their mind. Yeah. They don't know anything about what it's like to be incarcerated. <laughs> you can take you can take the murderers and you can put them in a special place if you want. You can have a special type of punishment for this person, which is you know being on death row or whatever, some, some special level of incarceration. You can actually undo that. Mm-hmm. But if if you don't 
if you if you just go ahead and execute them, you can't undo that. So, you know, the idea that, well, you're just going to let them get away with it. No, we were going to sentence them to life in prison. You know, and I, I just I you know, the rhetoric that goes behind the death penalty is so mindless on um, the other side. Oh, I yeah. used to be a proponent. Some, have you ever heard some people say that, well, it's cheaper to just execute them? Than right. to, and that's, but actually, that's not again, true. Mindlessness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They don't understand. It would be cheaper if our system wasn't as litigious as it is today. And you can propose to, um, you know, to, to somehow simplify the system. That's mm-hmm. fine and dandy. But you're also going to make it so that. Other people's recourse in the, uh, the, 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 you know, the judicial system is going to be limited, too. Do you really want that? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the way things are today, it costs millions and millions of dollars more to, keep, uh, to, to try to put somebody to death than it does to keep them in life in prison. The vast majority of guys who get life in prison don't bother the courts again. They just do their time. Yeah. The ones that are going, the ones that are getting executed, they've got all these mandatory, um, you know, appeals, appeals and all yeah. that that kind of thing. And they should have that. If you're going to use this uh, this penalty, you should have all kinds of checks. You don't want to be executing innocent people, so, but you're still going to. I just pulled up the Innocence Project's website at innocenceproject.org, and they say that there have been 273 post-conviction DNA exonerations in the United States. So that means that DNA evidence after the fact that these people were convicted has exonerated them of crimes for which they were sitting on death, death row. Now, Rick Perry, during his time in Texas, has executed or has been, you know, uh, the person to give the OK for executing 234 people. That's fewer than like the history, uh, all the people who have ever been exonerated in the history of, uh, of the U.S. from death row. And yes, so, that's so more there, than the, the amount of uh, people that have been uh, exonerated. Well, the, there were two, mm-hmm. 270. Was it 270? Okay. Three exonerations, okay. yeah. So, I mean, that's a significant number of people. You're telling me that, you know, it's outside of the realm of possibility that some of those people that were executed under Rick Perry were innocent? I, I don't lie. I think that there definitely yeah, were. Only a mind-numbed jingoist would say that um, there's no chance that Rick Perry has executed. And, and, and frankly, if you have the opportunity to stop an execution, you choose not to do that, you are culpable in, the, um, in that execution. Um, it, yeah. As far as I'm concerned, if you're a Christian, this is going to weigh upon his mortal soul. Well, how about if you're a doctor and you assist with some of this? I mean, I think that clearly violates, you know, because they need a doctor to kind of... Uh, oversee an execution and i don't know how any physician could actually participate in that i think the doctor has a better excuse than the governor the governor can stop it the doctor can't the doctor can choose not to participate and not provide whatever level of sucker and um, comfort that he can to the person who's being executed um, whereas they'll just find another doctor that may or may not uh, do such a thing so i think the doctor has a a, a better excuse the governor has the final say as to whether or not that person gets executed Mm -hmm. yeah so, but I, you, you know, are a doctor, and that's why. Or, you know, not yet. I'm I, a right. student doctor. Yeah. You're a doctor in my mind, Stephanie. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Good enough for me. <laughs> Here, would you take a look at this? When I move my arm you like know, this, weird it hurts. looking rash. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it itches. <laughs> Pull your pants up, Mark. Just kidding. Anyway, so you know, have you, the, have, has anyone used the old joke with you of when I move my oh, arm like this? Oh, it hurts. It hurts when I go like this. Then yeah. don't do this. Yeah, then don't do this. Yes, yeah, a couple people. It's a good doctor joke. I yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I'll hear them all. I'm sure but you. Will. The 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 point that I really want to most emphasize about the death penalty is that, you know, do you really think 
that the government should have the capacity to end people's lives, to make that judgment call and to execute people. I I just don't think that's appropriate. Even if you believe in a small government, even if you think that, you know, the police are appropriate or whatever, um, is it really appropriate for them to be killing people? I think there are superior punishments, uh, frankly, um, you know, for many reasons. But, you know, for me, I, I have a difficult time feeling bad for somebody who's guilty being executed. For instance, um, I was in prison for, for eight years and I knew a guy, Mark Dean Schwab, that killed a young boy um, in uh, Florida after he got out. Mm-hmm. I don't feel bad at, at all. My heart does not, uh, you know, uh, cry for this guy being executed. And he did. And he was. 855-450-3733. What do you think about the death penalty? Should we keep it? Is it worth it? This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. Free Talk Live, 855-453. That's the SACL toll-free call in line, 855-450-3733. Here on Free Talk Live. Are you a cigarette smoker? I was too for many years. You know that they're not good for your health. In fact, I hear they kill people. <laughs> Here's a he- There is a healthier option. 22,000 times healthier by some numbers. Vaporsmiths.com. They have an e-cigarette, one of the best made, in fact. It's a you know substantial item and has a large vaporizer, so you get a good hit. Um, a person switching from cigarettes to the e-cigarette will save about $120 a month right off the bat. You can get a free starter kit by simply going to Vaporsmiths.com and purchasing 40 cardamizers with coupon code FTL. Since uh, 40 cardamizers cost more than $60, I believe it's uh, 60, $69 or $70 or something like that, You'll get free shipping also because all orders over $60 get free shipping at Vaporsmiths.com. Call 855-2-GET-VAPOR or go to Vaporsmiths.com. 855-2-GET-VAPOR, Vaporsmiths.com. Let's go to Buddy in Idaho. Buddy. How are you tonight? All is well. You? Uh, can't, can't complain. Can't complain. But uh, I do have a, co- a couple of comments on, on the subject that you're speaking of tonight. Uh, I guarantee you that 100 percent of those people who are executed will not kill again. 100. That's well, you're, you're that's an incorrect statement because they would have had no, to. No, sir, it is not. No, it is because wait, because they would have wait, had to wait, kill wait. the first time. Right. In order for that to be a correct statement, they would have had to have killed the first time in order to kill again. So if they executed one of those 234 people, 43 people, excuse me, was innocent, then that statement is incorrect, right? Well. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that innocent bit thing too. All of those people that that you're saying the 277 or whatever from the innocence.com, innocenceproject.org. Oh, okay, right. All of those people that were proven innocent were from before DNA testing was was part of our. Was part of the system. Not true. Uh, um, no. There's actually yeah. been some since then. Yeah. Uh, I will admit that uh, that the DNA testing does help. But there know, have been 206 exonerations since the year 2000, and DNA and, evidence and was in place and, before that. So 
Well, true, true. But when did when were the convictions? Uh, the first the first DNA exoneration took place in 1989, and I don't know when the first conviction was that they that the person got exonerated well, but, for. Okay, but, but, the, but the first the thing I'm getting at is all of those are I can't say all of them, but I say a lot of those convictions that were overturned were convicted prior to DNA testing starting well the it well, says the average the average length of time served by exonerees is 13 years so that means if they were convicted let's say 15 years ago right dna okay. 15 years ago was 1995 right and dna evidence has been in use since the 80s so i don't think that you know 200 of these really exonerees happened since the year 2000. That's yeah. when Rick Perry was the governor. So um, that that says to me that there are still people being released on DNA evidence, a lot of them being released on DNA evidence, which means that Rick Perry doesn't lose any sleep over having convicted, uh, having uh, killed innocent people. You know, there, the, the, the system that we have today, granted, it is, there are flaws in it, but it is, a, it is the best system that we can... That we have. So, is it better to execute people that you know? You're just you're saying that the system is flawed. So, is it better to execute people when we know that executions do not, uh, you know, they they aren't a deterrent? Because if that was so, states sitting next to each other, one that has um, execution and one that doesn't have execution, would have different murder rates, and they don't. Right. So, why have it? Why have it? The person that did the, let's just say a person did, did do, did do a killing, all right. You're okay. Gonna, granted, you're, you're going to put that person on, on, you know, life imprisonment. He's got the rest of his life. He can visit, you know, his his family can visit, and so on and so forth. How much time have you what spent about, in jail, buddy? Not a, not a drop. That's because it stinks. Jail stinks. It stinks to high heaven. I spent eight years of my life in there, and I'm telling you that every single day, the only thing that you want is to go free. I am not enjoying life eating your stinking cold bologna sandwiches every single day. And my mom coming there and weeping in the visiting park is not giving me joy. Don't give me that crap, buddy. The person, that person is dead, but you are not addressing, you're you're getting emotional and you're not addressing the issue. There are innocent people being killed, buddy. Well, guess what? It doesn't doesn't make any restitution to the family of the person who's killed. It's not stopping the cycle of violence. It doesn't pay them back in any way to kill the person who did the original killing. Buddy, how that? many how many innocent people are you willing to kill out of a hundred in order to ke- the ex- to keep the executions uh, the way they're going? How many? What's the percentage? What's your threshold? Well, I'm not sure. That's not because sure. you don't care about innocent people. You care more about your executions than you do about innocent people, and you need to check yourself. I'm, that makes you a murderer, dude. You're advocating the killing of innocent people. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. We just we've gone no, over I'm that. Not. Okay, so you're you're going back okay. and you're saying the death penalty is immoral. Is that what you're saying? No, no, absolutely not. Then you're advocating the killing of innocent people. How many times do we have to go through this? All right, you have yourself a good day. Thanks, since, buddy. Since, no, since nobody can talk to you, well, you have a good tell day. me, tell me why. Tell me why you're yeah, not what's, advocating. What's the, the innocent- justification for having it? I mean, what, look, I say, Mark, I think explain it to me, I think buddy. you may be setting buddy up to be on the defense. Sorry, Sorry, I pushed the wrong button. <laughs> <laughs> so. 
buddy. I think I, I, I'll admit to feeling very passionate about this issue. I absolutely I do. do. I but do I came to this conclusion, and it seems just crystal clear to me. Yep. I used to be an advocate of the death penalty. I do not feel bad for people that kill people. Uh-huh. I don't. Yeah, I, if they I, get executed. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't feel that way. Um, now, I'm not saying that it's the best way to handle the, the, the problem, but I don't feel bad if they get executed. I mean, if, if somebody... But we know. any. I mean, all you have to do is take a look. You know that innocent people are being executed. We proved it. He said, well, this was uh, since, uh, you know, uh, this only happened when the DNA evidence came into play. Well, it takes a long time to finally get your case back. You said 200 people? Yep. Since two, the year 2000. Yeah. Have been exonerated have due been to exonerated. DNA evidence. And in a lot of cases, me, they've found the correct person who actually committed the, the crime. And this, know, in some percentage of those. This is the same time frame that Rick Perry was the governor of Texas. That means to me that he has executed innocent people. I don't see how one can say that it doesn't. <laughs> Buddy here said he doesn't know what his threshold is for innocent people being executed in order to um, be you know, and to keep the death penalty, which says to me that yeah. the, his threshold is not zero. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, l- let's maybe approach this from a different angle. You know, we've talked about the death penalty not being a t- deterrent to crime, which is one pe- reason why people say that it should be in place. We've talked about um, the death penalty not being a form of restitution to the victim or the victim's family. We've talked about the costs. We've talked about the idea of executing innocent people because the government isn't perfect. So what what arguments are there left in favor of having the death penalty that we haven't explored? That's what because I want to ask. Buddy. The murderer will still be alive, getting bologna sandwiches and visiting his mama in the visiting park while somebody's dead. I mean, that's that's the best we can come up with is this silly emotional argument that as if. Um, you know, killing. Yeah, I don't find that convincing. It's not convincing because yeah. you're advocating killing innocent people in order to kill guilty people. Free Talk Live. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 per month. You'll get perks and you'll help us free more minds worldwide. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. That's the SACL toll free call in line here on the live Sunday edition of Free Talk Live. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. On Free Talk Live, we talk about uh, gold and silver all the time. In fact, uh, you know you can't listen to the radio without hearing about uh, getting gold. You could go to gold.freetalklive.com. We have. Uh, Frankly, better rates than most places you're going to be finding, uh, you know, some of the best rates on the Internet. Gold.freetalklive.com. Before you buy gold anyplace else, check out gold.freetalklive.com. So, Stephanie, um, in the radio business, you're told never to apologize. (laughs) I think that my tone of voice and passion uh, drove Buddy away. And I'm sorry, not for my opinion, but I'm sorry for not presenting my case better. And so, I mean, that's my apology to Buddy. I, but I do think that people are responsible for their positions. I think that you're responsible for what you advocate for. So if I get on the radio and I say something patently ludicrous, like all people with uh, red hair need to have a, an ice pick shoved in their eye. Thanks. <laughs> I'm responsible for that advocation. Mm-hmm. Buddy said that he knew that people were flawed. 
Our system is the best, although it's not perfect. It is the the best in the world, as was his uh, statement, essentially. And therefore, his statement is essentially he knows that innocent people are convicted. He doesn't know what the percentage is. Um, is. And if innocent people are convicted, some of them are executed. And he doesn't know what that percentage is. I asked him what the percentage of people that he was willing, innocent people he was willing to execute in order to keep the death penalty. He wouldn't. He didn't have an answer for me. Because Mike, likely, he's never thought of that before. But advocating once you make the statement that you know that this that innocent people are being um, executed and you still advocate for the death penalty you're advocating for the execution of innocent people and as far as i'm concerned that makes you're responsible for that statement yeah that's a murderous statement let's go to ed in tennessee ed how are you and stephanie doing mark all's well, Hi, well i don't i don't hey, answer uh, for stephanie stephanie you we're going to get stephanie a late night show with that voice she has a <laughs> I have a late wonder, night show. wonderful voice. <laughs> it's yeah, called Pork does. Therapy. It's P-O-R-C Therapy dot com. Okay. <laughs> uh, I was going here, here's a little quote for you, Stephanie. Okay. Faith is the enemy of evidence. For when we know the truth, no faith is required. Yeah, that's absolutely you're true. You're talking about the death penalty, Mark. Uh, yes, sir. Did you know that John Paul Stevens, you know, former Supreme Court Justice, he said it was totally racist. You, you know, know, who usually gets the death penalty is a black man when he kills a white woman. You know, uh, Ed, I have some statistics that actually back up that statement quite nicely um, from the Innocence Project. Out of the 273 people who have been exonerated, 166 are African-Americans. Now, I think that's uh, hey, a lot higher we, percentage than the general population. Oh, yeah. hey, we brutalize black men. I mean, I, and listen, you know what is so bad about it? A lot of the black, so-called black leaders, or like Tom Joyner and them, he's cut off Cornell West and uh, Tavis Smiley. You know, they're going around all these cities talking about the poor and how they're being devastated and all that. Joyner and a lot of the blacks are just cutting them off. Huh. <laughs> Why is I mean, that? I, I don't understand. They, they think, I don't know, because uh, there's uh, Obama can do no wrong, and Cornell West never oh. daily attacking them. I see. Wow. And uh, they can't, you know, they they just can't stand it. But anyway, you know, to the death penalty, you you have to realize that. And Mark, that's why I love this little legal maxim: it's better to acquit twenty guilty than to make one innocent suffer, because you may be that one. Right. When it's th- this is true, people say you're guilty, and you know you're not. You will do anything you can to extend your life. So these idiots. I mean, how? Stupid are these people to say, let's execute them quick, no appeals, because if you're innocent, if it's your son, daughter, or you, your mother, your father, and you know they're innocent, you won't extend their life as much and as often as possible. Right, because the punishment doesn't allow for a repeal. I mean, they've found that innocent people have been executed, and this is unacceptable in this nation that supposedly has the best legal system. I mean, if you're claiming that this is the best system in the world, then you need to compare that system to Western uh, democracies which don't use the death penalty and which can release people who are found to be not guilty. I mean, if you're going to make the positive claim that this is the best system in the world, you need to back it up. And it's not and, true. And actually, oh, and listen, countries hey, Marcus, are... Y'all know, go ahead, Ed. 50% Sorry. 50% of eyewitnesses are wrong. Yeah. Yes. Eyewitnesses. They've already proved that. Now, you think about that. A woman can be raped and still pick the wrong man out of the lineup. Happens. You know, it's new, it's, it's crazy. Look out. You know, what is it? Picking cotton, tall cotton, something like that. The, yeah. the white chick, blonde, was raped by a black dude. They went to prison. He's totally innocent. Oh, yeah, Mark, something else. 
when you convict the innocent, you're allowed the guilty to go free. Mm. He's out there doing whatever he wants to do yeah. while you are ruining this man's life, his family. Now Arizona wants to charge $25 for a visit uh, to visit their uh, loved ones in prison. Yes. Yep, we heard about that. They're charging people to visit uh, <laughs> their, their relatives in jail. It's yeah. insane, right. Ed. There's no doubt it about is. it. Yeah, and Ed, thank thank you for the call. I right. appreciate it. Right. I love Ed. Eight five five four five. He's you know, got the accent that seems so contrary to uh, his his reason. He is so approach. full of vim and vigor and yeah. just awesome ideas. And okay, go ahead. But I have I had some facts that I just wanted to add on to the ends of Ed's call. He said that he was talking about eyewitnesses. Innocence Project says eyewitness misidentification testimony was a factor in seventy five percent of post-conviction DNA exonerations. It happens. Yeah. Jeff Notoriously bad. Jeff? Hey, how you guys doing? All is well. Hey, uh, you heard, uh, you, I heard you say uh, you're making death penalty uh, a deterrent. To me, you don't send people to prison to be a deterrent. You send them there for punishment. Yeah. And if someone, if a uh, hundred people saw this guy go down the street with a AK and just picking off people, you know, there's your witness statement. I know uh, she just mentioned like 75 percent. I didn't hear that statistic, you know, but. Well, well eyewitness testimony can be unreliable. Yeah, that's really the, the statement well, is, is you never know for sure. Well, You'd think that an eyewitness would be the most reliable type of testimony because that's just kind of what we're taught in the world. I mean, that makes sense. But it turns out that eyewitness testimony hand. is remarkably unreliable. If it's second and third hand, I can understand that. But when someone goes down the street and just starts picking off people and. You know, 100 people get missed and uh, 200 get shot, you know. I mean, the well, guy is definitely guilty. No doubt. There's and no doubt. Been... There are no doubt that there are people that are absolutely, positively guilty. And there's no doubt yeah, that um, with, with enough... What's that? Do you agree with the death penalty in those specific cases? I think that it can be misused in those circumstances. I think the death penalty in that case... Well, there's um, no way to separate expensive. The, there's it's, no way to separate those people from the innocent people because we really, you know, we really don't know and all we know is that the system isn't 100% perfect. And well, I would yeah. I would add that... And it's if more someone, expensive to execute them than it is to keep I, them I, I condone okay. one type of death penalty and I'll tell you what it is. If someone is witness to a crime and there's actually a crime being committed and someone's life is in danger, and they defend themselves by killing the assailant, I can support that as a death penalty because it's 100% sure that this person is um, committing a crime or endangering someone's life. But to have the state do it after the fact in an imperfect system, I really can't support that. Well, you just said there's, there's no way to tell the difference. There is when, you know, five or ten people saw this particular person kill off you know, other people there. I, now, I, I agree. Well, how often... Reason, let, let, let me make a statement. For some reason, the guy gets exonerated, then those five witnesses should be uh, accessory to murder after the state has put that guy to death. I would love to see so somebody think, be um, to, to be held responsible, but let's not forget the prosecutors and the cops, too. I mean, these oftentimes, uh, these are the guys that are doing... Um, that are You know, they're not getting... In, in these cases where people are being exonerated, prosecutors that uh, that, that hide evidence, cops that, get, that beat confessions out of people that aren't true those people aren't being put no in jail witnesses. either then you have no witnesses in that case what i'm saying is that five ten people see this guy take out a but, bunch of people now i have i, I have jeff, something I, here's what i, what, I what, what we need to understand jeff is that 
eyewitnesses are notoriously inaccurate. That doesn't make them liars. It makes them wrong. And people... Hold the line, Jeff. I'm going to have to bring you back. I'm sorry. We're up against a break. Just just hold the line, please, if you would. Okay. 855-450-3733. Consider this. Studies have shown that people are less able to identify faces of a different race than their own. So there's a racial component to this, too. 855-450-3733. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Shop.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, get a great deal, and a portion of your purchase goes to benefit Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon via shop.freetalklive.com. Eight five five. Why am I? Yeah, we might be able to get the number. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. Live Sunday night edition of Free Talk Live. It's Mark and Stephanie. What if you found out all the best liberty activists from around the world were moving to one place in order to achieve liberty in their lifetimes? Would you want to join them? It's happening, and you can be part of it. Join the Free State Project at freestateproject.org. Again, it's freestateproject.org. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. Let's bring Jeff back on. Jeff. Hey, how's it going, guys? Go right ahead, sir. Hey, my question, here's a question that I came up with. Sure. If, uh, if a perpetrator had witnesses and a confession, would you support the death penalty in that case? I will not cry. Um, now, support, uh, you know, is a different word. And here's, and here's why I don't necessarily support it, Jeff, as I tend to look at these things from a financial standpoint. It costs nearly 10 times as much to execute somebody as it does to keep them in prison for life. I know that's counterintuitive, but it's all those right. court right. cases and things. And I well, don't... How about, uh, you know, two, within two years, appeals case come by, then two and a half years, whether, you know, if he's guilty, put him to death within three years. I, I don't... At that point, you're... you're the wattage well, then that's... My phone bill, and I'll pay it. You're talking. You're talking about um, the uh, the amount of uh, the the amount of time that it would take to take this case through, and if you're going to be able to do that, you're going to change the whole judicial system, which is an incredibly difficult right. thing to get done. That standard would apply to everyone, and I don't think that fits everybody's case. And I would even say that in the case that Jeff just proposed, where it's very clear that a person has killed another person, I would say in that case, I even think that I don't think death is an appropriate punishment. I think you know. I think at least the opinion of the, the victim's family should be considered, right? Because it matters what they, you know, it matters that they get repaid or restituted in some fashion, right? Wouldn't it be better if he could just, uh, they could put him to work making license plates or chairs or whatever no, it is? No, now you, now you guys are going for the deterrent factor. And, you know, killing somebody is not, should not be used. The argument should not be, you know, gainfully used as a deterrent, but as a punishment. You take a life, your life is gone. Well, well your not, life is gone. You do this realize that your life is whole. You realize that your life is gone if you're sitting in jail for the rest of your life or prison, I'm sorry, for the rest of your life, so right? It ain't gone. It ain't gone because you know there could be a prison break and you're, you're out of there. You're free. Oh, come on. When is the last time how that happened? How does that yeah, how often does that happen? <laughs> I know that's out of this uh, that's out of the template, you know, but the fact is you took a life. 
your life should not be as... Uh, right, and know, I'm not going to cry about it. What if Jeff, the victim's family doesn't want the perpetrator executed? What's that, Steph? What if the victim's family doesn't want the perpetrator executed? It's not up to the victim's family. It's and that's to, the problem. It you know, should be up to the victim's have. family. It why, matters. Why should it be? Because they, they had a wrong done to them, and so they should be made whole. That's the concept of oh, justice so, that I... So if I go out, if I go out and break in, break an entry into a store... And the store manager says, oh, don't prosecute them. The state says, okay, let them go. Right. Well, absolutely. I, if someone breaks well, into a store, store manager, but the owner they, should, of the store. they should pay for repairing whatever damage they've done to the property, return the stolen items, and maybe the store owner should get a little bit for his time and anguish or whatever. But, you know. And I stay out of jail. And I stay unpunished. Uh, I think that uh, having you know, to pay for something is absolutely punishment. Yeah. Let's not forget that there's punitive damages, too. I mean, if, if you had to pay triple what it, whatever it is you I mean, stole. Because in today's system, you know, the shop owner who's been broken into their shop doesn't get anybody to pay for the damage that was done to the property or return the stolen items. You know, it's just punishment for the perpetrator. Jeff, isn't punishment intended to change behavior? And if one uses the death penalty as punishment, how can one cha- use it to change behavior? Well, that's a good point, though. That's a good point. That's because I'm know, a super genius. A, when you take out when you take out a candy bar from the store and you stole it, I could see repentance. You know, maybe hey, stealing from somebody who worked for it is wrong. But when you steal a man's or a woman's life, in this case, that victim could no longer change or you know invent the new flu oh, yeah. vaccine. But it's that, terrible. That's, that's a terrible that's crime. I, 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 I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna defend it. And like I said, I'm not gonna lose any uh, sleep over it. Guilty people being found, uh, you know, guilty. But I just think that there's better value in keeping this guy incarcerated, giving him some job where he can make some money, and then taking that money away and giving it to the family um, of the person that was harmed. At least the very least, they're getting something from this evil person rather than getting nothing, which is what they get when he's okay. executed. You're arguing for the degree of punishment. So, and one person's punishment idea may be to take off that man's life. Yours is to, you know, make him, you know, sit in jail and rot and make money and give it back to the, you know, victim's families. That's but, you know, it sounds like, you know, you're a proponent for the death penalty when you know for a fact that this man killed. But, uh. I wouldn't say I purport it. No, I'm not a proponent. It doesn't doesn't make me lose sleep. Okay. Just uh, my main point is, you know, it should not be a deterrent factor involved. It should be a punishment factor only. And if you're going to punish somebody for stealing, for, uh, you know, raping a woman or killing in this situation, then the punishment fit the crime. Thank you, Jeff. 855-450-3733. You know, I, I, when it comes to the, um, you know, when, when folks are talking about somebody, <clears throat> clearly people murder people. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is that we're turning over this, uh, you know, this the solution, the solving of these uh, problems to government. Everybody knows government's an inefficient organization. Yep. Um, when they find their murderer and they put them on death row, they stop looking, and, and that murderer happens, or that person happens to be innocent. Mm-hmm. They stop looking for the guilty person. Yeah. So, so you the have guilty this person is walking around. Guilty person running around. They, you know, people have been, uh, you know, released. From death row, it's it's really difficult to say. Well, what if we really, really know? Well, the person wouldn't have been found guilty if they didn't really, really know. The um, it's the 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 preponderance of the evidence. The jury shouldn't have convicted them if they didn't have a reasonable doubt 
If they did have, if they a did reasonable. have a reasonable doubt yeah. that they were guilty, so therefore they really, really know already. And we found and sometimes they're incorrect. There was right? a there was a guy on death, um, not death row, a guy that was uh, convicted of rape. Um, you're talking about this uh, one particular book of this woman. She convicted this guy of rape. She pointed him out on the on the in the lineup and said he did it. Mm-hmm. And then she found out years later that he didn't do it. And she, you know, she's met with this guy. She's talked with him. They've, you know, they've become friends over time. And this just really goes to show this woman doesn't deserve to be incarcerated for having, for picking out the wrong guy in the, the lineup. This is a problem with the judicial system and not having enough evidence and people believing that eyewitnesses, they, people believe it. And I understand why they believe it. We've been told that that's, that's good enough evidence. But oftentimes eyewitnesses are notoriously, um, you know, unreliable. And eyewitnesses are not the only flaw in the judicial system. Informants also contribute to oh, wrongful sure. convictions because they're trying to save their own selves. And the judicial that's, system. That's what happened to me, frankly. <laughs> yeah. You know, a guy had an opportunity to get out of uh, um, doing a, a greater period of time, so he decided to share with me. I, you know, as as far as his participation in the crime versus my participation in the crime, it was entirely different. But it, that you know, the state decided that it was the same, and we both got very similar sentences. Finally, years later, eight years later, six, seven years later, I got a um, uh, an aff- sworn affidavit from him saying that that wasn't that what he had said was not true, mm. but. At that and I could have taken it back to court, but at that point I was a Supreme Court ruling had uh, ruled that I was prepared. To, you know, I was preparing to go home. Why in the world would I take the case back and quite possibly lose or spend a year or two in county jail waiting for the case to come forward when I was ready to go home in six months? Mm-hmm. So here I sit with a conviction, which and I have a sworn affidavit from uh, my co-defendant that I didn't do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is what happens, people. Now I'm. I actually was a proponent of the death penalty for many years while I was in prison, a proponent of it, because I believed that that is what was just. And Mm -hmm. I understand why people believe it's just. However, once you're shown it doesn't work as a deterrent, and once you're shown that innocent people get executed, we know innocent people get executed, so why would you advocate for a system that executes innocent people? These seem like obvious things to me. Um, yeah, I wonder, Jeff obviously was not advocating for uh, uh, deterrent. He made that very clear. He thinks it's a punishment, but I kind of think punishments are intended to be deterrence to which other people, people. Um, yeah. to learn. I think jail and frankly, I think uh, the death penalty, both of these should be used on people that cannot uh, be, you know, that, that they should not be around other people. They should be a separation from that I don't think that you know p- people most people in jail I don't believe belong there. Well, the only people that should be in jail, in my opinion, are people that have committed violent acts. Like the cop this that we read about earlier in the show who shot into a car of transgendered women, screaming that he was going to kill them, and was stinking drunk. Yeah, you know he's a it's clear. Murder. He it was ruled that he's a clear and present danger. I to don't society. advocate for the death penalty for this guy. <laughs> no, no, neither do I. But I mean, to separate him from other people so that he can't harm anyone doesn't seem to be a bad idea either. I well, certainly shouldn't be have a badge on. Yeah. But yes, I agree. Yeah. Eight. Uh, this, We're done. That's it. Yeah, it's free talk live, <laughs> uh, live Sunday edition, and we'll be here next week, uh, same same time. Uh, Mark and. Uh, and Stephanie. And uh, we'll be at freetalklive.com. You can hear us every night of the week. Uh, somebody's doing a Free Talk Live show every night of the week from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. freetalklive.com, a radio station or a satellite near you. 
It's Free Talk Live. 